Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in very sunny Santa Cruz, California. And I am your host tonight, Bagel, with a very, very, at least I think, interesting lineup. Uh, <laughs> that was a smooth intro, though. I'll give you credit, dude. You did not miss a beat. That was smooth. Thank well you. done. So let's start off with who we have in the podcast here tonight. So to my right, we have Jesse from Vespa Club Los Gatos. Mihoff. Name's Jack Mihoff. <laughs> <laughs> to my left, we have Brandon. Merka. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next, we have Naked Jim. Great to be gay and to be here. And except, well, except I'm not really gay. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, we have Henry. Hello. Hey there. <laughs> <laughs> so... So what we have in store tonight, since Liza and most of the garage are away... Or watching Game of Thrones. Or something like that, yeah. Gay porn. <laughs> we have... MotoGP saves this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have a special show lined up for you all tonight. Um, and I imagine that some of you may not have uh, thought about something like this before, but we are going to be talking about motor scooters. The whole oh, show yeah. tonight. <laughs> Scooter cast. I, I, Scoot cast. I'll get I, my flip-flops right now. Kind of like like, Misfits. Get your like scat cat cast. A little different. Get your, get your flip flops. Get your tank tops. Okay. Uh, your happy helmet. Yeah, exactly. And your uh, your scooter kilt. All right. <laughs> Got mine. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking all about scooters tonight. Since uh, Liza has given me the keys to the show, and I've got a chance to finally tell all of you about the world of scooters that you may not have and probably have not even heard about before. She can't stop you. <laughs> yeah, she can't stop me now. <laughs> so. So we are we are off and we're rolling. So um, first uh, thing I'd like to go over tonight is uh, first of all, what do we do here in the garage today? I put my bike up for sale. You did. Yeah, if anybody's interested in a 2006 uh, FC6 that has 45,000 miles on it, but just got gone through and has all new shit in it and luggage and everything, let me know. Cool. cool. And, yes. and what are you asking for it? Uh, I, I don't even know. I, I looked on Craigslist, or I haven't looked on Craigslist, so I'm kind of like just any reasonable offer. Mm-hmm. $1,000 and $8,000. Yeah. If, and if I, if I don't have to put on Craigslist, we'll make it work easily. So. All right. Yeah. So, and, and maybe some lucky listener could own a bike that Naked Jim has sat on naked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Really? Question. Question. Are you going to wash it first? I actually washed it today, so yes. <laughs> it's clean. It's safe. Yeah, you disinfect yeah. it. Well, I use seafoam uh, sea bug off, so I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that should get all the bugs off of there. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> You'd think. <laughs> That's my highlight. All right. Cool. Well, good luck with that. I hope uh, hope it sells quick and yeah. you get a good price it's for good it. good bike. Somebody will like it. It'll, it'll serve somebody well. Yeah. And um, we did have a number of people in the garage uh, working on stuff today. Um, let's see. James was here working on his uh, his Honda, putting uh, putting pipes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's probably still out there trying to get him get him on there. Yeah, no, he uh, he got them all on. He oh, put, he did. Mm-hmm, he got a new he-, he got a whole new uh, header for like two hundred and fifty bucks off of eBay. Excellent, and it's like perfectly polished and all that stuff, like brand new. So, oh, that's oh, wow. his old Honda out there. Mm-hmm. Yep, the CB five fifty. Yeah, five fifty four. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, cool. I was wondering who that was. Yep. Yeah, 
Yeah, so that's good. He's making progress on that. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Justin was here doing some clutch work on his bike, I think. Uh, yeah. Not clutch yep. work. He oh. wants to attach a Kickstarter to his oh. uh, Husky, but the cases he has don't quite fit. So he thought it was something like with the distance between the contact plates. Uh-huh. And he basically spent the whole day like shimming down the case oh. to try and make it fit, but it's still not really working, and he doesn't know why, so... He's gonna take it. He's gonna take some different parts to a lathe uh, later and see if that works out for him. All right, mm-hmm. <laughs> measure measure twice, cut once. Yeah, sure. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> cool. Then uh, let's see. John was picking some fragments out of his clutch. I think. John was that Virago? Uh, yeah, the chopper. Um, oh no! Was it? Was it? He used to have name? a he used to have a GS five hundred a GS five hundred a goose. Yeah, and he sold it and bought an Evo Sportster recently, but he said that the he was doing some transmission work for it, and then suddenly like the clutch wouldn't work at all. So it actually happened today. So he basically pushed it down here and started some investigation, and we saw like we drained the transmission oil and we saw like metal shims Ooh, coming out of it. Yeah. So it's like most likely what happened is that a bearing got eaten up or something like that. So yeah. hopefully we'll be back next week with some parts and try okay. and get that fixed. Yeah, hopefully. Give a good cleaning. Get all those bits out. Uh, of there. Might there. need more than a cleaning. Yeah, <laughs> could be a lot of hate. A lot of hate involved. <laughs> oh man, what a mess! Um, and Henry, speaking of cleaning, you were doing oh, some on your motor today, right? Gaskets are a bitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I'm just trying to get all the old gaskets that are sticking on to the cylinder head jugs of my uh, Moto Guzzi motor. Like everything is basically there. I've cleaned up as much as I can. I've at this point, I just need to put in new gaskets and seals in areas where it needs it. Like everything's torqued down, and then hopefully I can send it off for some porting and polishing. But until this, until then, I have to try and remove all the old gaskets, and they're paying the ass to do so. So yeah, mm-hmm. but that's uh, there's there's not much that uh, that you can can do other than to just get through it. Just take an old razor blade to it and be ca- really careful. Yeah, I got to rat you out when I came up. You had your pocket knife. <laughs> you were super careful though so I think it, I don't think it was a big deal was just, I was like yeah, use razor blade I'm like you're like no yep. yeah but then you like use what WD-40 in a brush you were really patient with it yeah mm-hmm. you were not being you know you weren't doing anything silly I used yeah I, I got really a patient. I took a Dremel to it but I just used basically a polishing Dremel didn't really do anything to it unfortunately but mm. just kind of slowly working at it yeah as I can yeah and have you tried different solvents on there too to soften it up uh no not yet just WD forty for now. I mean, it's not great. It's like a hillbilly solution, but yeah, you might you might try some like some penetrating oil or mm. uh, there is actually some gasket remover uh, stuff too. I think that you can squirt on there that'll that helps to loosen it up. Okay, um, that might be worth a try. Just so that way you're not less you have less risk of, of you know scoring the the surface on the cases when you're scraping it. Mm-hmm. So that might be worth a try to do. Okay, yeah, I was looking. If we don't have gasket remover here. I don't know why. Hmm. Well, <laughs> maybe it's time to get some <laughs> old motorcycles. That's what. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Uh, anything else that was going on today? Oh, it was chill. It was nice. The sun was out. It was fun just to hang out. We were listening yeah. to. Uh, oh, you weren't here, but uh, I was here earlier, and uh, 
it was Henry and I for just a while, mm-hmm. and I put MotoGP. So nobody say anything if you heard about the race today. I, I saw about five laps left, and I stopped watching it. But mm. yeah, we had MotoGP in the background, which was kind of fun, just listening cool. to the pre-race stuff. And you know, they make such a big deal out of it. And I dig it. So if you're not a MotoGP GP fan, check it out. They're in uh, Texas today. Cool. So. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Right. And I the, I saw it long enough where there there was a good surprise early on, so I'm stoked to watch the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and actually the reason why I wasn't here at the start was we had our uh, Santa Cruz Scooter Club ride today. Oh, and, no kidding. Uh, yep. Nice. yep. How many members are there? Uh, there are about... Just bagel. Uh, well, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small club. There's like maybe eight or ten people, I think, in it. That's still pretty good. Where'd you guys go? Uh, we went up, uh, kind of took some of the back roads up, like Graham Hill uh, and um, Glen Canyon, or Glen oh. Canyon to Graham Hill up to Felton. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then uh, kept on going all the way up to uh, Felton Empire, took that down to Alba, mm-hmm. came back mm-hmm. down uh, Alba to Nine, and then just had some lunch at... Uh, at the Cowboy uh, Cafe. Oh, that's nice. great. So you came down, Alba? Yep. That's a fun ride. I like that. Yeah, although there, there's a couple sections that looked like it took some damage this winter uh, with a bunch mm-hmm. of like dirt and like landslides that, that aren't still aren't completely cleaned up up there. Yeah. But, uh, but you know. Is it as gnarly as uh, Jameson? Um, I haven't been on Jameson. No, Jameson's really year. fucked up. Is it really? <laughs> that's yeah, like, yeah, that's supermoto yeah, stuff. I yeah, I haven't been up there since the storms, so. Yeah. yeah, no, almost <laughs> not not too bad. It's a fun. It's a nice train. There's usually not too much traffic yeah. on all the two. Yeah, there's only one little spot that was bad, but the rest of it was pretty good. So cool. And Brandon, you have some news. Is that correct? I do. Yeah. Um, as of today, uh, I have an official agreement with Calfi Design to purchase my company, Diginow Inc. Wow. So our charger company is now going to. Uh, be moving under his purview which will be awesome because he actually has like big facilities for uh building things and a good number of employees to help with that so it's it's super super exciting very cool that's like huge news sorry to say that (laughs) (laughs) and i didn't understand it all but um so say that again yeah i sold my company right which makes basically these custom speed charging units yeah yeah superchargers for For electric motorcycles turning them from you know toys into actual motorcycles you can go for rides on (laughs) yeah right and this is in now is this both in in available power and distance so to speak or Uh, or is it just so customizable that yeah the power portion is something that i do on the side which i'll also be teaching calfi designs to do uh but so like the death fx the death sr those crazy bikes that we've built um it's still part of the same company but it's not related to the chargers so the death fx that you rode that's got 10 kilowatts of charging on it and um like military grade power uh for for like if you open it up all the way, you're going to loop it right away. Yeah, I, I, I jumped it off a curb just kind of just leaving somebody's house, not only uh-huh. jumping it. And when I landed, I, I whiskey throttled it. Yeah, uh-huh. and I almost did. I almost launched it like a football <laughs> field away. But, yeah. yeah. All right, so so cool. So, so that's what you're doing. And then, so you're no longer going to be manufacturing in the secret lair? Is this kind of sh- going to shift on a larger scale? Well, the, the secret lair will still be occupied. Um, the skunk works? However, the windows are covered over right now, and we have uh, yellow and black tape around it. Growing weed? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that? I wish. Yeah, it'd be more lucrative. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you very much. Congratulations. That's cool. bitching. Yeah. So, um, so, what, well, like, what, so when that happens, like with yours, what, what do they take off your shoulders? Like what, what do they help you oh out with? Oh, my gosh. And, and then like, what can you do? What's your, your like, okay? You so this company, uh, I started in my garage, literally 
uh, in when I lived down in LA and uh, we started like by getting all of these little tiny chargers and putting them together until we developed our own stuff and uh, that grew into running an actual business basically with between two and six people at any given time and it's a lot of work to run an entire business with that small of a team so uh, what Calfee's doing is basically taking all the stress of running a business all the stress of logistics and manufacturing off of my plate and uh, all I have to do is come up with some cool new things for them every now and again and uh, advise them on what the industry really needs. So effectively, all stress related to this is now out of my life, which is a, a huge, wonderful thing because um, I get to spend time with uh, my baby now. That's bitching. Yeah. So, and that's totally worth it. Yeah. <laughs> so can we ask you things like what kind of production numbers are they talking about or what kind of market do they think this is or, or where might this go? Well, there's some really, really, really cool things. Stay tuned. Is that the... Yeah, that, we, that we're doing. Um, and some of them involve things that aren't on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of NDA talk. A little, little bit of a vague statement there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so there's more ways to have fun than just with motorcycles, and some of those things uh, don't require wheels to move. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get the vein. Well, you know, we went down to the uh, Watsonville Experimental Aircraft Club meeting huh. what, like three years ago. That Are you aware like of a such very, a thing? I I didn't know they had one in Watsonville. What a coincidence. Wa- I was there today. At the Watsonville Airport. In Watsonville, not necessarily at an experimental <laughs> aircraft place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, and, uh, yeah, and uh, I don't know if this is what you're alluding to, but there was a guy there that had set some records with a experimental electric plane. Oh, wow. That's very, very cool. interesting. And, I yeah, bet he needs to charge that plane really fast. Yeah, because he was <laughs> crashed the fuck out of it a couple of times so, uh, anyway yeah bitchin yeah thank you yeah. awesome congrats thanks sweet so we can do all your free time now just create i've got something lined up uh something that i think is going to be really cool and possibly the biggest thing i've ever done before mm-hmm. and like yeah it's it's mind-bogglingly large so if people are curious about this, I, I know you don't like have a website or anything, but how can they just kind of get a glimpse into into what you're up to? You have Instagram, um, I know, a little bit. Yeah, so I've got my Instagram, which is Electric Cowboy Racing. That's my personal one that I also do uh, a lot of the Charger stuff on. We've also got um, our DigiNow Facebook, and we do have a website, but it looks... Um, Funnily enough, like some nerdy engineer built it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's diginow.it. So that's D I G I N O W.it. That's bitching, man. Right on. Cool. All right. So now let's get into our bread and butter for tonight. We just lost Go. like 90% of our listeners. Yeah, right there, man. Shutting it off. Hit stop. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about scooters. And first of all, what the hell is a scooter? <laughs> I don't this know, is, Bagel. Tell me. This is this is actually a, a fairly involved question, because most people think, oh, a scooter's a scooter, right? Well, I thought a scooter was just like a motorbike that you could step through. Right? Step well, through, that's a big one, that's right? A, that's a common mm-hmm. characteristic, uh-huh. but not necessarily. 
Um, there, there have been all sorts of different permeations of scooters over the years, and uh, there, there are a lot of characteristics that are used to define scooters, but it's not. There aren't like hard and set rules, hmm. and this is something that we've. Uh, the, when on when we were putting together the scooter cannonball run years ago, this became a topic of great consternation. Mm. What's a scooter and what's not? Because we didn't want people competing in the scooter cannonball run that were not riding scooters. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, a Honda Super Cub mm. is that a scooter or is it a motorcycle? As we've mm-hmm. talked about on the uh, right. on the the podcast yeah. here before, or like a CT seventy or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Little Trail seventy. So uh, so what what we decided, and and this is, and I'd, I'd mentioned this a couple episodes ago. And this is not a, a hard set definition or any sort of internationally agreed upon standard, but this is the best that we could come up with for the scooter cannonball run. And I think it's a pretty good uh, definition of, of how you could define a scooter. And the way it was defined for the scooter cannonball run was a scooter is a two or three wheeled vehicle. Three. Or three. Mm -hmm. That satisfies at least three of five of the following conditions. (laughs) That's that's so scooter complicated here. (laughs) Like I told you, this this gets into the weeds of that. Like legalese for scooters. Right. So number one is a unit construction of engine, transmission, and rear swing arm. Like on the Vespa, it has a a one case that contains all all three of those things. It's the the engine, transmission, and the rear suspension. Uh, The second characteristic is wheels no no larger than 10 inches, hmm. which would be all the vintage Vespas and Lambrettas. Mm-hmm. Uh, third item is originally equipped with a step-through style frame, which again, mm-hmm. Vespas, Lambrettas, Heinkels, yeah. you know, a lot of the tr- traditional classic scooters are, are set up that way. So if you had uh, small wheels, like less than 10 inch wheels, mm-hmm. and a swing arm combined with your motor and transmission, mm-hmm then that would qualify as a scooter, even if it was shaped like a motorbike. Well, you would need three of the five characters. So oh, let me finish. Oh, 60%. Yeah. So, so number four is that it was originally equipped with running boards or leg shield. <laughs> and then number five is a single cylinder design, engine design. Single cylinder? Single cylinder. Because most scooters are single cylinder, although there have been a few two cylinders over the years. Yeah, haven't there been like V twin scooters and stuff like that over the? Uh, not, I don't think there've been V twins. There have been there have been Twingles. There have been uh, Motor Rumi made a two cylinder, but I think it was an inline two. Hmm. Um, you know, there 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 are very few exceptions. Most of them, by far, are single single cylinders. Um, also, most scooters have running boards, leg shields, but not everyone mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Um, not every scooter has 10-inch tires. Some of them have big tires, both vintage and modern. For yeah. example, the Zindot Bella has, I think, 12-inch tires or 13-inch tires uh, that, that came, came stock, uh, you know, making it more, more, more in the direction of a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are all common characteristics, but not, there's, there's not one defining characteristic for scooters. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this definition seems to serve this for the purpose fairly well. Um, another point that I think is very important to make is the distinction between scooters and mopeds. Oh, you read yes. my mind. Ooh. Yes, yeah. there is there is a uh, a long running uh, <laughs> trope in the scooter world about it's not a damn moped <laughs> because people always call scooters mopeds. The difference is that a moped is essentially a motorized bicycle. It is a it is a pedaled vehicle that has a motor that can drive it, but it can be powered with pedals, yes. and that is where you get the mo from motor and ah, head from pedals. Yes. That so is the, a moped. A scooter that is a motor scooter with just a motor without pedals, by definition, is not a moped. I learned something new from you today yes. uh, in relation to uh, 
what scooters are, I always thought that scooters just were twist and go. Mm-hmm. And uh, you showed me today on that vintage Vespa that it actually has this really cool clutch thing, uh, gear shifter, yep. where you pull the clutch in with your left hand and then actually rotate it like a throttle almost mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. put it into gear. Is that a common thing on scooters? Or? It's, it's very common on vintage scooters. Okay. Uh, a lot of them use that setup. Uh, modern scooters, it's, it's much less common. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few modern day produced bikes that Mm -hmm. are basically uh knockoffs of vintage designs that still use that um Mm -hmm. or have used that i don't i don't think any of them are still in production anymore okay um so you know so yeah it's it's pretty much limited to the vintage uh vintage scooters most modern scooters are all automatic these days so Uh, point uh, one thing i might add is i don't know how much you guys actually remember but years back when the whole discovery channel history channel started with uh jesse james and orange Mm -hmm. county there was the biker build-off one of the guys was a former mod a former scooterist Mm -hmm. in la and he actually developed a shifter for uh, for choppers Ah. uh, with that same kind of Ah, setup on the left hand side where you could go ahead and do hurl shifting i forget if there actually was in fact a clutch or if it was you know uh, anywhere else but that was the general design was you know as he said it nice and sleek and beautiful Uh Mm uh-huh that's so interesting it cleans it up yeah yeah Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's and that's that's something that that I've always thought was you know was a great design feature that that vintage vintage uh, scooters used. That I was surprised that more vehicles didn't use that. You know, even um, you know it's it's something that you could even use, especially for people who have like a disability, like say you know you don't have you're missing a leg or something mm-hmm. and you can't shift you know you're un- un- unable to shift with your left leg on a motorcycle you could set that up on your handlebars and be able to shift and still ride so I've, i'm surprised that we haven't seen that in the motorcycling world more over mm-hmm. the years mm-hmm. so so uh in in uh to i guess the next question is now that we know what a scooter is why would you ride a scooter <laughs> so and i want to bring in uh one of one of my friends and a fellow listener from the show uh jesse from cleveland uh jesse are you on the line I am here. All right. What's up, Jesse? Hey, Jesse. Hey, Jesse. Hey, guys. How's Cleveland? Is it snowing or is it hot yet? What's going on out there? You had crazy weather. it's supposed to snow tonight. We had tornado warnings earlier. It's gone from 40 to 70, and it's just confused. Uh, (laughs) Well, it sucks out here. You definitely don't come out here. That's crazy. Anyway. (laughs) So, so Jesse, you are uh, someone who's, who's rode both motorcycles and scooters and owned both, right? Yes, yes, I've been riding for 20 years. Cool. So uh, I guess the, well, I wanted to, to bring you in to talk more about the practicality of scooters, uh, what makes them appealing, why somebody would, would want to ride a scooter uh, as opposed to a motorcycle. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about, about your perspective on that? I would. Uh, I started riding scooters about seven years ago. Again, I've been riding for 20 years motorcycles. I've gone everything from 50 cc's up to 1,000 cc's. Um, Honestly, the reason I ride a scooter, because it's fun. It puts a smile on my face. They're, they're just a blast to ride. Um, I know you've discussed in previous episodes, you know, the, the geometry and everything about riding a scooter versus a motorcycle. And when you're on a scooter, the way that you can whip that thing around versus a motorcycle is just, it's amazing. I'm sure yep. somebody that's never ridden one. Yeah, especially once you get up in the twisties and 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 you have some really tight turns, where where if you if you know how to handle a scooter uh, with with that weight centered low into the rear, you can you can really just just throw it around in those turns, and it's it's a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I I find them great for around town too. I live in a, a moderately large city on the east of Cleveland, we so we've got country roads once you get about ten miles away from here, but around town, 
I love it. I ride it to work almost every day. Um, it's small. It's easy to park. Uh, in Ohio, we have a great uh, law that I can park anything 150 cc's or under on a sidewalk. So yeah. I park right up next to the front door of everywhere. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I even took a uh, label maker and I put Ohio Revised Code 4511.68 on my handlebar. If anybody questions me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. always good. Always good to know the law. It is, and uh, it, I knew you were talking about the transmission, and I I, I love the, the the style transmission scooters. I love the twist, you know, twisting first and second, third, fourth, just consecutive. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a unique setup too that how the transmissions are set up with the Christmas tree pattern, and it, they're very simple to work on. Yeah, and uh, so you mentioned the Christmas tree pattern. Can you tell the listeners what what that is? Mm-hmm. So when you open up the side case of a uh, of a vintage scooter, uh, typically I ride Vespas for the most part. You have a stack of gears that look almost like a Christmas tree. If you look at them inside, they go from small to big, and inside there is your cruciform. So when you twist that transmission, you're pulling the cruciform in and out to select your gears. Hmm. Yep. And it's uh, yeah, it's a very compact design. And, and another thing that maybe a lot of people aren't re- aren't, aren't aware of is that a vintage Vespa, uh, because the engine and transmission is all one one unit in the swing arm, uh, it's it's all gear driven. So your your crankshaft goes directly to the clutch. The clutch drives a gear that that drives the intermediate lay shaft, and then that's directly meshed with the rear gears. And then you just have this this uh, cross shaped cruciform that slides in and out to select which gear. And it's it's a really compact and and, and well well thought out uh, efficient design and I, I still remember the first time I opened up a Vespa engine and I, I looked inside and I was like oh my god I, I, I see exactly how everything works this is amazing <laughs> and it's just a just this great small little package that's uh, just very compact and, and and works super well and uh, yeah they, they definitely I say they definitely are and, and you can teach yourself how to work on them I taught myself how to replace my cruciform? I taught myself how to put a new piston in it. It's a two-stroke on the on the vintage. They're 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 super simple and easy to work on. Yeah, and and how how did you get into scooters originally, Jesse? Yeah, I, sorry, I got a little ping there. Oh, sorry. Yeah, how how did you get into scooters originally? Uh, honestly, just hanging out with some scooterists. Um, <laughs> I've always wanted one, and uh, just picked one up one day. Uh, the first one I picked up was a, uh, actually a four-stroke Bajaj from like the early 2000s. Oh, cool. And then after that, I, I bought another Bajaj. I bought a 77, which is basically a Vespa Sprint copy. Um, then picked up a 64 Allstate, and I've also got a 2005 PX150, which you were talking about, one of some of the more modern ones that still have that vintage styling to them. Yeah. I think that was the last year that they made them. Yeah. Cool. So, so how many scooters do you have, and how many of them run? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at Bagel right Surprisingly, now. Surprisingly, <laughs> all of them. Oh, all of them. Wow. It is, it is possible. Yes, yes. It is possible. Cool. And, and I, have a, I have a moped in the garage as well, too. Oh, cool. So well, I can show you the clear difference. Yeah. <laughs> cool. What, what kind of moped do you have? Uh, it's a little Honda Hobbit, the PA50. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Nice. Excellent. So, and, and you do, do you do all of, the, all of your own work on your scooters? I do. I do all my own maintenance on it uh, whenever I can. I was actually just out riding a couple weeks ago to snap my throttle cable about 25 miles from the house. That was fun. Yeah. Um, and joined the AMA the next day because a friend of mine used his to help me get a tow. Ah, cool. Yeah, Perfect. shout out to AMA. Yep. Yes, the AMA motor. Everybody yeah. should be a member. So well, I'm, I'm curious why, why, we, why we've got you on the phone. I want to hear what everybody's, because I've ridden with, and we'll get into this later, I'm sure, but I have to leave before too long. 
I know you guys can ride like motherfuckers because I've seen Bagel <laughs> ride. I want to hear what everybody's top speed is on the scooter and what's, what displacement it was. Uh, my 1977 Bajaj, I've GPSed out at 64 on 10-inch wheels. <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. Um, my 64 Allstate, I've GPSed out on 68 miles an hour on 8-inch wheels. Wow. Whoa. That's <laughs> going to be freaky. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, butt, that's butt clenching. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Wow. Very cool. So, um, yeah. So, then... Um, in terms of maintenance, what what uh, can you tell the listeners about some of the the typical maintenance that you would do for a vintage Vespa or Bajaj? Um, this, uh, yeah, for this spring, I mean, getting it up and starting was pretty simple. I treated my gas in the uh, in the fall. I don't have batteries in either one of my old vintage ones, so they just fired right up. Nice. Um, but but for maintenance, uh, the only thing you really have to do on a regular basis is change the gearbox oil, hmm. which is and we and you don't even use anything special. Standard thirty SAE. No 10W, no nothing. 30 yep. weight. Yep. And it takes, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe three ounces, four ounces of oil in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. It's very, very light. And then uh, you know, oiling the cables, uh, making sure everything's shifting correctly, uh, tire pressure, and, you know, it's great to have a spare tire on it, too. Agreed. Yep. <laughs> which which is another advantage of, of vintage Vespas, because the, the tires and wheels are all the same size, and you can carry a spare and use it for either one. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I had a, an occurrence last year where I rode to work and I went to go leave and uh, noticed that there was a screw in my rear tire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just changed out in the parking lot with my toolkit I had on me in about 15 minutes. Yep. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Try to try to do that on a motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of a parking lot without without uh, a shop. <laughs> so cool. And uh, are there any other practical aspects to uh, to scooters that that you really appreciate uh, that that aren't necessarily the case with motorcycles? Uh, just the ease of riding, uh, gas mileage is phenomenal. That's that's, that's one thing that's absolutely great, uh, yeah. especially on the old vintage ones. Because well, if you don't soup the motors up, you get pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> both of mine have kits in them, so I get maybe fifty five, sixty, where I should be getting eighty, ninety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's 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 nice to have onboard storage as well too. Whether you have a glove box, whether you have a, a side covers. Um, very easy to accessorize. You can put the, the barbecue racks on the back mm-hmm. you know, to put uh, cases and everything on them. Um, you can even put a 12-pack of beer between your feet on the floorboard. <laughs> it's the best accessory. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> yep. And rack on the front, too, if you need it. Yep. Yeah. So you can, and, and I've, that back in the day when I was in college, I, on my P200, I would, I would literally carry like a hundred dollars worth of groceries. And this is a hundred dollars in like early 1990s dollars. <laughs> so it was like loaded down and it's just a matter of just strapping everything on and, and you can go. Because uh, scooters tend to have a, a lot more carrying capacity than motorcycles, you know, mm. with just the way yeah. that the the bodies are designed and and mm. with the, the racks and accessories that are available, um, I've I found that they they can carry a surprising amount for how small they are. Well, mm. even a stock scooter. So I don't know if you know, but my first two wheeler was mm-hmm. a scooter. My first two uh, motorbikes were uh, scooters. Cool. Excellent. And uh, also electric, obviously. Um, uh-huh. But. Uh, 
they just came built in with the effectively a top case, right? Because mm-hmm. you lift up the seat, and right. in these scooters, since they're battery powered, they don't have anything under there. It's just a huge bucket for storing stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was really, really handy and something that I had to learn to live without when I switched to motorbikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the modern gas scooters have, have a, an underseat storage as well, mm-hmm. which uh, the vintage, vintage Vespas don't have, or vintage Lambrettas, because that's where the gas tank was, was placed. Mm-hmm. But modern bikes, they've used like plastic vacuum form gas tanks where you can stick it up under the the frame somewhere else so they got more mm-hmm. storage room yep. mm-hmm. so cool um was there anything else that you wanted to talk about jesse as far as uh scooters go if you haven't ridden one hop on one and give it a try they're Amen. a blast nice mm-hmm. so do you still have a motorcycle in the garage or is it just scooters i i do i have a uh, i have a 2016 honda cb500x oh nice cool so when do you ride that like is it a commuter or five, just for fun? Or? Five six thousand miles a year on that thing. I ride it anytime I'm going outside the city. More than twenty thirty miles, I hop on the bike. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for calling in, Jesse, and, and uh, talking with us about scoots. And, oh, pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And Bye, Jesse. Take Thank care. you. Smoke weed Bye. every day. You guys have a good. <laughs> <laughs> have a great night. Thank you. Right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was that. That's. Uh, that's a lot of a uh, lot of practical use, but uh, Jim, you were interested in, in people's top speed. Yeah, I want right? to back up because I I know like uh, I'm just curious what everybody's top speed or what t- and, and top speeds what you've heard of because I know how f- how fast these things can go. Well, uh, I don't know, Jesse. Do you want to do you want to start with that? Mm, let's see. So for the two scooters that I've owned, um, there's the T5, which is outside two stroke, 125 cc, five ports. I think I've maxed out probably about 100 kilometers, so that probably brings us down to about, what, 65, mm-hmm. 70 miles? Just under 65, yeah. 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 yeah, so that's mm-hmm. pretty normal for something like that. Uh, fastest period would be my kitted out 250cc four-stroke GTS, similar to what Bagel has, but right. not necessarily as ostentatious. But, <laughs> yeah, I have gone you know easily... 8590 uh, so with a downhill so oh, it's yeah. terrifying to me yeah, <laughs> yeah and, that's, and those little teeny tiny wheels man that's got to be like major ass clench yeah and that's that's about <laughs> as fast as i've gone in my my 300 with mm-hmm. uh yeah it's about about 90 miles an hour mm-hmm. yeah i remember because we were riding uh, out to yosemite yeah like who rides to yosemite doesn't actually go into yosemite turns around and rides back <laughs> right. we we're doing like that little <laughs> brass butt or something hell yeah. when we were riding cross cross country on your you on your little scooter you did yeah. the iron butt 1500 on that right mm-hmm. uh on the the yeah yeah, mm-hmm. I did that yeah. this uh, the summer. Yeah, they're Jeez. amazingly capable. Yeah, it's all it really is. It's it's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but there's there's a whole history behind scooters that I think most people haven't even heard of. So I want to bring in another friend of mine uh, who is uh, goes by the name of Ogre. Ogre, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Cool. Well, welcome to the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. And uh, I wanted to bring you on because you're somebody who has been around in the scooter scene for many, many years. Uh, you're very yeah, knowledgeable. almost twenty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're very knowledgeable about the history of things and uh, both history of scooters and scooter culture. So, um, so let's talk about the history of scooters. Um, first, let's, let's get into uh, like where scooters started. Like how did how did this whole thing come about? Well, they were around before World War II, but they weren't really. Uh, they were just kind of a novelty. Uh, after World War II, they really broke out in the uh, war-torn Europe as a uh, really cheap way to get to the grocery store. Uh, basically, you got a, they're, they're rebuilding Italy, they're rebuilding Germany, they're rebuilding these places, and they uh, tool. Basically, Italy started using their mechanical inclinations towards their uh, 
fighter jets and their military engine to uh, make basic transportation for people to to get to get places and bring and, and you know move stuff around. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I believe also <laughs> they were they were prohibited from building any sort of military equipment after the war too. So they had to they had to learn yeah, to build yeah. something else. Well, <laughs> so that, it, it, that almost goes without saying. It's pretty pretty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'd have to stop the war machine. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> you know, do something else with it. But I have a question. I, I think just, the, uh, hmm? I was going to say I had a question just right on the topic of that history point. You know, you had the same thing happen in Japan, right? And uh, you know, those yeah. industries were bombed out, and they came back with cheap ways to manufacture uh, transportation. But if I might just be missing it, but Japan didn't really go the scooter route, and Europe did. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, <laughs> oh we, we can do that in a sentence <laughs> right there. Uh, uh, Japan didn't go the scooter route, but they didn't also also have Italian design. The guy who started mm. Vespa was offended by the appearance of motorcycles. And he went a 180 route to the concept of two-wheel transportation by not having a tubular steel frame and putting the engine and the uh, front suspension like on a one-tube side side notion that literally was nothing like anyone had done before. Wait, so the scooter came about because someone was offended by fucking Italians. <laughs> That's Sounds right. Awesome. Well, well, aesthetically, aesthetically right. offended by motorcycles. Right. Well, one of, one of the reasons, though, is is that uh, well, both Italian men and women have a, they have a flair for for style, and they want mm-hmm. to wear nice clothes when they when they're out and about. And when you're riding a motorcycle, especially back in those days, you're running the risk of getting oil on your on your clothes and you know dirt off from the road splashed on you and the scooter had a leg shield and f- and big fenders that would cover all of that so that we wouldn't even you wouldn't have a chance of getting it on you so you could ride around in your in your nice you know Gucci loafers and and your dress slacks and and not have to worry about getting messed up <laughs> These are important. Fucking important Italian. things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, you know, plus the, the you know, we, you get to the you get to the uh, the subculture of stuff. You, you fast forward uh, to twenty years or so later. It, you know, it's big. England is having this thing where half a youth wants to be in America <laughs> with, with Elvis haircuts and riding motorcycles, right. and mm-hmm. the Rockers. other half wants to join the European, you know, you know, uh, actual the the continent of Europe, and they're in the Gucci loafers and really, you know, nice suits and really, and, and, and they're riding scooters. And that's when it breaks into an actual subculture where people treat it more than just getting the groceries. Brighton Mm. beach. Yeah. And that was, that was in the early sixties, right? Yeah. At least, at least 60 to 62 is the real beginning of it. It, 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 They were having a pretty much, uh, it's after the war, they actually have money in their pockets and jobs and they decide, and people decide to spend them either on, uh, BMW motorcycles and uh, there was like four or five different motorcycle brands. Yeah, I'm not Triumphs, blanking on some of them. Triumphs, BSA, Triumph, Triumph, BSA, the uh, you know, the, Norton's. and 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 uh, they went to the scooter route and they had two choices, big choices then, Vespa or Lambretta, and that was like Indian and Harley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the they fought route. out that market between the other people. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so this is the early '60s. Although leading up to then, there was a whole decade of the '50s where where there was a huge scooter boom in in Europe mm. because, like you were saying, it's it was meant as as basic transportation. And, yeah, and it, was but it wasn't a culture; it was it was mm. survival. <laughs> right, right. It was it was cheap yeah. basic transportation, but people mm. really started to appreciate it, and and they did start to form clubs back in the '50s, which largely were were you know centered around the manufacturers. But that was sort of like the very beginnings of scooter culture uh, in sort of its very very 
basic form you know, where people started yeah sort of, I, I think the big difference of like today thing is like if you're really into electric cars now you're in a, you're you're really into electric cars and if you fast forward 10 years from now there's two different manufacturers and those people are finding each other in the street over them yeah <laughs> i don't think you have to fast forward for that <laughs> so but back to scooters though so so in the 60s we had this uh, this big this big blossoming of, of the scooter culture in in the mods um, and then, and, and a lot of people have probably heard of, of the mods versus rockers, uh, the whole thing. And, uh, and our, our, version of, our version of easy rider, quadrophenia. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> so, well, do, do you want to tell, tell the uh, listeners about, uh, about the, the rods versus mockers and, and what that was all about? <laughs> <laughs> well, there, it was a lot bl- bigger blown up than it was supposed to, than it really happened. Uh, it really was. Uh, there were some scuffles between the people who rode motorcycles and the people that rode scooters. Okay. And the people who rode uh, motorcycles were called rockers, and the people who rode scooters were mods. Okay. And the the press really clung on to this in the yellow journalism of England, and they they blew it out of proportion. Like riots in the streets. It was probably just some fights over a girl. <laughs> they go back and interview the people who actually were there, like. They're like, I don't know what the whole big deal was. I, I, I was a, I was a rocker one week and a mall the next. And that kind of, thing. you know, there, there wasn't, there wasn't, this, there wasn't this contempt as hardcore as they, they put it out to be. I see. But uh, the Who, uh, the band, <laughs> was was dr- deeply formed by these by these years, and uh, they are the ones that made the uh, the 1979 movie. Well, basically, was it the 76 album and the 79 movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, quadrophenia that pretty much put that right into the American mainstay of something mm. that ever happened. I see. <laughs> yep. So, so we can thank the Who for knowing about it. Mm, yes. Pretty much. Well, they were part of it. They were the mod. They were they were playing uh, you know house parties and and that's that's their beginning when they were I, I forget what they were called before the Who. I'm blanking on that one. But they were they were just a, a, a soul blues. Uh, maximum rock and roll, as, as they would say, uh, band that played all the mod parties and. Uh, and and stuff like that and i'm not sure how much how many scooters they rode but they were definitely into the fashion mm-hmm. of the whole thing they had, they had that uh, classic iconic image of the scooter with the uh, you know 500 mirrors spread all across the front right. well that was the, that was the prosperity thing it was like how do i make this thing that i love and i put more into it and, I, and make it like an, a a status symbol and how many mirrors can i put on I mean, you know it, 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 that that whole prosperity thing with scooters lasted till the I want to say the like seventy three, mm-hmm. yeah, and then all of a sudden there was this uh, economic backlash in England, and the mods kind of still existed, but the scooters took a backseat, and up to like seventy, I want to say seventy eight, seventy nine, when that that uh that movie came out, the scooter thing was on the back burner, and the, there there were no jobs in their economies within the tank, mm-hmm. and uh, it was that that movie and. Uh, uh, made up, made them really help with the resurgence of the whole culture as a whole. Yeah, cool. very interesting. And uh, yeah, I think Jim's got to leave now uh, to uh, run up to the airport. Yeah, I got to bounce him off again. Yeah, it's Maui one week, <laughs> LA the next. <laughs> or was I Pensacola? Pensacola last weekend. Oh, and I'll just mention real quick: people that have known Jake from the podcast, uh, Baby Jake, as she's known, is uh, just p- completed her Navy um, Air Rescue Swim School 
program, so she's now officially a Navy air rescue swimmer. That's really, really uh, yeah. serious, though. That's, like, not a joke. That's, no. that's really hard school to go through. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. But uh, what I will, so, she, so she's doing well. She's more or less, well, not, she's fairly broken, but she made it through, and she has time to recover. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, she's she's stoked. She, she's living her dreams, what she told me. So cool. uh, awesome. thanks for any while. You know, people kind of chime in on my Instagram and say things. So I, we all appreciate the, the, uh, the support. And, you know, when you see someone like Jake and the, all the other young men and women that are around her, you realize that, you know, not to get all political, but politics matter. And you want to keep these people, you know, out of yeah. wars, yeah. especially yeah. stupid yeah. political wars, because they're yeah. not worth sacrificing for stupid reasons. But yeah. uh, mm-hmm. anyway, with that said, ciao. Cool. Uh, yeah, great. Great. I'll see you later. Cool. Thanks Bye, Jim. Jim. Bye, Jim. Have a good one. All right. So, so over back to um, the scooter culture. Um, there, so there's been a... Um, kind of a connection between scooters and 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 music for for quite a while oh yeah and um uh, and not just the who but but also uh ska has had a very intimate connection with with scooters for a long time can you really talk a little bit mm-hmm. about that oh well you got you got the the same the same people that were running the you know the what's the the crooked wheel there and stuff and gave us you know the uh the well the beatles uh, actually for a lesser extent but the rolling stones and other stuff had another whole branch that was uh, with the West Indian and Jamaican people who lived in England who were bringing up ska and the this and and you know the earliest earliest of the uh, Jamaican independent you know an independent Jamaican music that was really uh, coming up through and that that hit the same clubs so there was this huge influx of the uh, what pretty much is basically known as the Rude Boy. Mm-hmm. Which is ironic, like a criminal. It, it means criminal and slain in, in Jamaica, right? But, <laughs> but it, it's <laughs> in America in the eighties. It meant a guy in a pork pie hat and a skinny tie who liked to dance in, in, in one place, right? But <laughs> and, and just, just to give give people a little bit of, of backstory, Scott Scott is is a a, a native uh, pop music from Jamaica that that sort of came about in the late fifties, early sixties. Uh, mm-hmm. Sort of a blend of, of Caribbean rhythms, American. R and B, blues, and other you know kind of uh, sort of a mishmash of, of music, and but something they kind of made something their own. And uh, when Jamaica got independence from Britain, I think in 1961, um, it it kind of became a, a rallying point, a sort of national pride for Jamaica. Um, yeah. But but also because of that that split from Britain, there uh, the Jamaicans were British subjects, so a lot of them decided that they were going to emigrate to um, to to Britain. Oh, I think Henry's got to go here too. So. Thanks for uh, Jim. Actually, forgot his phone. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> He's he, hopefully he hasn't left yet. Okay, hopefully we'll get him. Uh, so anyway, so so a lot of uh, Jamaican nationals emigrated to Britain before the economic opportunities because they were still Brit- they still had the opportunity to become Brit- to stay British citizens after after the split. So a lot of them emigrated to to Britain, and that's where the sort of working class uh, Jamaican element came into the, the scooter world because scooters again were cheap basic transportation. Mm-hmm. You know, and they. Yeah. You know, and they brought their music and got into the scooters, and so yeah, and that, that throws in that throws in where the where the skinheads came from, which were a boiled down like uh, lack of flair uh, branch of the mods that got rid of like their fancy clothes and were just like in like working clothes, and uh, they were into ska too, and they were they formed their own music, and then there was like uh, there there was their embarrassment that the uh, that showed up uh, like. 
like when I want to I want to say seven or eight years after the origin of skinhead, there became the, the there was the the branch of the Nazi ones. But they okay, right, that's they what I was just about to ask. I was gonna say, did like the neo Nazi movement come from scooters? No, no, oh, they were okay. they were imitating okay. this right. look. Yeah, and and yeah, and so <laughs> wow, so they copied the the skinhead mod look yes. to for their movement, right? Which it actually was weirder than that though. I yeah. think it was weirder than that because the the skinhead look was blue jeans and uh and work boots mostly steel-toed uh-huh. flight jackets sometimes jean jackets and the nazis they went to another paramilitary side mm. and and changed the changed the style a little bit but still they still look like the other skinheads uh-huh. Yet you want to talk about a gang war those two sides came as close to gang wars you're going to get because they, wait, wait, not, wait, wait. So the they did not like each other the <laughs> scooter skinheads basically went like gang war against the uh the well, neo-nazis Nazi sharps essentially yep. well his sharp the sharp showed up later but the, uh, okay. you had the traditional guy who's full-on working-class skinhead now he's in he's in a country let's say he's in england he uh he, his friends are mostly white but not all white because you know it's england but he's got a whole bunch of people you know he goes to clubs integrated yeah he's going to go see sky shows he's going to go see uh early forms of reggae he's going to go see the he's going to go see the uh northern soul which is a whole other branch i got <laughs> but and he's going to he's going to go to all this music he's way into the music mm-hmm. he's, he's got a very and then you, then up on the street comes a guy that he looks and goes wow i don't recognize that guy he goes over and talks to him, and it turns out he's a fucking Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And next thing you know, it's like, really, really, mate, comes back and smashes him in the head. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole fight. I, I, wow. My, my, yeah, it's a whole. There's a, there's a complete. They're an embarrassment to everything that a real skinhead would be. They're, uh-huh. they're like, <laughs> you know, so. My my brother was way is you know kind of still way he has an oi band and stuff like that but he's mm. he was he's been he could be he could tell you a lot more about uh, uh, ska and he could tell you a lot more about the origin and and, and uh, basically a cultural war between those that, that kind uh, thing because geez there was a time I actually saw it that there, I had a show in Boston this uh, my brother's crew one goes they they basically go like with the number codes go. 69 man it was like the first oh, the, the big, big year of skinhead yeah and the other guy goes off across goes 88 motherfucker oh, and next man. you know they're in a goddamn uh, fight <laughs> wow the well, scooter that's... culture has so much more depth than i realized there's, i had there's... no idea <laughs> that a like lot of drama. it was so tied into all these different aspects <laughs> yeah. of things but hey, we haven't even broken into the punk years i mean do, right? you, you, you break past the skinhead years then you get the mixture of punk rock and you get people like me who look like psycho bikers from the apocalypse and you ride scooters. Yep. <laughs> and and just to touch back again on, on the whole skinhead thing, uh, the, the the ultimate irony is that that the the idea of of, of the concept of a skinhead came from Jamaica. These were guys who who shaved yeah. their heads, black, oh, yeah. black guys who shaved their heads, and that became a, a fashionable look in the UK. Oh wow! And so then white people started doing the same thing, and they called themselves skinheads too. Uh-huh. Well, it, but, it, it it wasn't completely shaving your head; it was cropping. So yeah. you, your hair was 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 really short and you had long sideburns hmm. that attached to your to, to a very cropped low look i yeah. see you could tell a nazi my brother said by by 30 paces because of the cleanness of the shave of his head uh-huh. Uh-huh. unless he was an old skin going bald and just decided to go all the way probably was a fucking nazi because <laughs> <I see. laughs> the, the cropping was it was a very very neat they actually would shave in a little <laughs> part 
and it was very you know, i just imagined a terrible b movie um scooter mods versus zombie nazis or something like that yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, have to be in the, it would be have to be in that whole warriors movie which is huge and oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. yeah the, well, no, they they love the they love the uh, Turnbull ACs, which is a mixed race uh, skinhead gang in, from the from the Warriors. That's a that's oh, right. a huge code. That and Clockwork Orange and a bunch of other mm-hmm. movies. That they, they, yeah. I mean, I I was in a I was surrounded by fifty uh, percent uh, skinheads at a party once, and someone uh, puts on the movie Romper Stomper, and they all go, "Yeah!" I'm like, "Oh, you love these like the style of these guys is great." Jeez. They can't stand. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Like, I saw him in the street. I'd be wearing him on my shoes, but damn it, that's a good coat. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's move let's move on from the uh, the battles the battles of the past. Uh, well, hopefully, it won't be battles of the future, but um, yeah. but anyway, the um, so you're talking about the 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 the, 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 the scooter culture uh, then dipped into the punk era too back in back in yeah. the 80s, right? Well, things went things went you know uh, the the mods the the really like, clean sharp like you know uh not sharp you know like the well-dressed mods yep they broke into some uh they broke away from the scooters because they couldn't afford it uh they go into something called northern soul which is crazy it's american music from detroit that no one heard of before brought to england and then they figured out a weird way to dance to it that had a lot of kung fu moves in it but they were up all night on speed anyways and some of them still kept their scooters (laughs) (laughs) so the scooters are there but it's not dominant The music that music carries into when the scooters come back in bigger in the late seventies when the economy starts to pick up. There's it's also you know the spirit of seventy seven. The, the the punks are there. Yep. And there's enough punk rock influence combined with the skinhead influence, combined with the mod influence, combined with the concept that these scooters are getting old at this point, and some of them are rusting apart. That the customizers and the people who make choppers and cut downs and, and soup them up and keep them going and going to these crazy uh, rallies all over all over england and uh you know i gotta admit it, it was leaking into america there were there were people doing scooter rallies in america by the uh by the 90s definitely yeah and uh and they, this was so that you got people who look like me they they've got a mohawk they've got a, a jacket covered in patches all scooter mm-hmm. rally but you get a patch at every rally you go to uh probably wearing jeans maybe wearing military pants maybe wearing doc martens maybe wearing uh, what do you call it? biker boots uh, and jumping on scooters that are highly customized, highly painted, highly chrome, mm. or just looking like they just dragged through hell and are, are used with uh, black spray paint that they and, <laughs> and uh, look like shit but run like the devil. Yeah, just a rat bike. Yeah, rat bike. The rat scooterists, and you get all the, the all those people, all, the, all those elements show up and uh, end up going to things called the Isle of White, which is kind of like. I kind of look at I, I give it a religious tone and say it's kind of like mecca for scooterists. Very much so. Yeah, six thousand scooterists show up, and uh, I think it's in August in, in, in uh, the Isle of Wight. Yeah, and, on, uh, on an island. It's one. You know yeah, what this reminds island. me of is uh, yeah. <laughs> what's going on in Indonesia right now with the scooter culture there. Have you guys heard much about that? Mm-mm. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I thought they were outlawing the two-stroke engine or something, but that might have been someone else. Well, they, that might have been India. Well, uh, yeah, I think I think it's India, but in, Indonesia has a cr- crazy custom scooter scene uh, these days. It's absolutely insane. Like, they're taking scooters and lowering them, putting like like six wheels on the side of a sidecar. Uh I mean, like, insane stuff. I saw a guy that took a tree that was fell across the road, turned it into a scooter to move it away, and then just kept it as a scooter. (laughs) It's crazy. I saw that too on Facebook. Yep, I saw that. Yep. Yep. But, um... 
Yeah, so like wherever scooters have gone, there's there's it's it's become a part of the culture there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and actually, most of what we've been talking about has been European scooter culture. We haven't even really mm-hmm. touched on uh, a lot of what's happened in in the United States because mm-hmm. well, the U.S. Is, is always kind of lagged behind uh, Europe in terms of the the popularity of scooters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where there's a machismo factor. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. you know, and and plus also I think like the bigger distances that we have in the U.S. and and cheaper gas yeah. didn't make scooters as appealing as they were in Europe. So, so they now, were, would a scooter be... You've obviously done massive rides on scooters. Yeah. So how comfortable is a, uh, is a scooter compared to a, a, a standard bike? Not not like a R6 or something like that. Right. <laughs> so we're going to get into scooter touring a little bit later. Okay, okay. So we'll touch on that then. Um, but but in terms of, of going back to like scooter history and, and culture, uh, Ogre, you mentioned that that uh, it, there was sort of a resurgence in the U.S. in the like late 80s, early 90s, where, where scooters uh, suddenly got, got big again. And, and that's... Well, all the- yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was saying with, with all the all the, the, the especially you know, like I'm, I'm in the I'm on the East Coast. I live in Rhode Island. I, I you know I, the Boston the Boston especially has uh, has had a scooter club in it for like thirty at least thirty years, yep. probably longer. Yep. And that club is dominated by skinheads, and is just been very into the very classic earliest bikes and the customizing and there's a of uh, the president of it now rides a rides an orange chopper that doesn't have any body around it, just like a frame and the exposed engine and stuff. And yep. and they're they're way into it. Uh, they're also fragmented. And uh, let's face it, it you know it, it's it's weird because it, it can't exist anymore because they're so against modern bikes. Well, that's that's <laughs> so something I do like, want, I, I do want to touch on that in a minute. But uh, actually, I do want to take a step back. Um, because I think I think one of the reasons why there was a resurgence for uh, scooters in like the late '80s, early '90s was because uh, Vespa officially pull, pulled out of the U.S. market in '85. Oh, yeah. And, and when that happened, that all of the parts and and the support just completely dried up. So mm-hmm. scooterists were were basically left on their own. You know, because there were a number of people who you know were still into scooters in the you know in the '60s and '70s in the U.S. Not a lot of people, and, but some. And, and there's a bunch of them here right now who, when they'd come back, wish they'd stayed away. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, because uh, so so people had to basically had to band together in in the eighties mm. to to keep their bikes going to get parts and yeah. and figure out how to work on them. And that's where I think a lot of the scooter clubs formed as, as a group of people who could get together and support each other in keeping their bikes going. And it became a social yeah, thing. I think and, I think the ones that hung around the longest though were the ones that were bound by not just the bikes but the uh, subculture. Yeah, definitely. I but, find that I find that was that was much more bracing. You get the you get the guys in New Jersey who were mods and skins the guys in in new york who were they they were much more mixed than most people but the, the real hardcore fans were the people who were were playing the music setting up rallies and, and really involved in the culture yep yeah and same with boston at least on my side of, of the country yeah yeah and then that's and I, that's where i cut my teeth is in the east coast scooter scene in the 90s and yeah mm-hmm. going to rallies it's in dc and boston and new york and virginia i mm-hmm. mean there was there was great stuff there's you know great bands and and just you know good times good people um yeah it was that was a lot of the culture was a lot of fun you know as long as, as in addition to the scooters and the riding um mm-hmm. but you but you touched on something is this this divide between vintage and modern um, because this is this is something that's come up, especially over the last ten years or so. Mm. Um, because, uh, like, I, like I mentioned before, Vespa pulled out of the U.S. market in 1985. 
Um, yeah. but, but they 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 officially came back in 1999 after they had come out with a new modern uh, design for the Vespa, which is using a four-stroke engine, an automatic transmission, um, but still a monocoque steel frame. But this was such a such a departure from the previous designs for vintage that that a lot of the vintage aficionados wanted absolutely nothing to do with with the modern the, the new modern. I think Vespa it was worse. Out. I think I think you know, and I'm. I'm one of those people that are not against modern bikes, and that's mm-hmm. what makes me a, a controversial figure, to be honest with you, yeah. being well, as, same, same as hardcore into the culture, yet not offended by the modern. Uh, but it's worse, because the Vespa itself, and this is something that a friend of mine, Chris uh, Bulet, found out, when because he's, he's a hard, talk about a Vespa freak. This guy's not, he's just a Vespa freak, not a subculture person at all. Right. He was talking to the people in 99 when they brought him over. He was involved with Vespa Club America. He was a, a, a treasurer for them for several years. He was, they basically said that they're so happy to be back in the American uh, market to sell scooters as handbags. So that people can match their shoes to them. Oh, yeah, that was that was kind of a misstep in my opinion too. When they <laughs> came back, it was spitting in his face. He almost hit me. Yeah, I can see how you take it that way. Yeah. Uh, but basically, yeah, because they what well, they 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 didn't call their dealerships dealerships. They called them boutiques. Yes. Oh, really? And they wanted the Vespas to be like some sort of status symbol. And it's like they, they didn't even tap into the existing scooter culture that still persisted after 15 years of them not even being in the market. Is this part of where half, like, it was the, in despite the, of them? They were like an, they were an adversary to the culture that kept them alive in this country. It was it was so weird. It went both ways. Yeah. And <laughs> and, and at first, I, I, if I remember correctly, they weren't offering any support for the vintage bikes either. Um, oh, no. Yeah. And that that has changed so Somewhat, they are starting to carry some vintage parts or some parts for vintage. Well, they bikes, had to get but... threatened by Stella. They had to get threatened by right. other <laughs> other markets in order for them to go. Well, maybe we should do that, right? <laughs> you know, they just they were so. You know, I, I don't have a really good Italian accent that wouldn't sound mocking, but I should probably have said it in that form. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's there. There, there's yeah. There's definitely a disconnect between the the vintage scooter scene and and everything to do with modern Vespas, including the company, which which is really really unfortunate because it's it's a wonderful history. And and the sad part is is that you know, the, the 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 Vespa uh, headquarters in Italy they're very reverent about their 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 history and their their old their bikes they've got a beautiful museum there it just i just it, it's it boggles my mind that they just don't seem to want to support the the vintage bikes and vintage vintage culture in you know in everyday life so i, I don't know it was it was all they they didn't come in with the, they came in with the wrong strategy they already were were going upstream because there was this this disdain of the automatic transmission and the the look of the bike and all this stuff and instead of going Wow, they're not really happy about this. How do we make them happy? They said, "So well, what? They're not so happy about this. Screw them." And, <laughs> and, 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 and you're like, "What? Well, yeah, yeah." Now, well, gee, we haven't even gotten to the Yamaha and the and all the modern, you know, the Honda and all the modern bikes that are not part of scooter culture and utterly loathed, loathed <laughs> by the scooter uh, scooter culture and itself. Is- yet still 
I like seeing at rallies and stuff. I think it's important that they show. Right, and this is, that's a very good point that I didn't even touch on yet, is that back back yeah. in the day, when when Vespa pulled out, that was when the Japanese scooter markets were, Japanese scooter market was starting to boom. And basically, mm-hmm. the Japanese manufacturers were undercutting Vespa. That was part of the reason why they pulled out. Um, the other part mm-hmm. was, was you know, tightening emissions, which made it more difficult for two-strokes. Um, but uh, but yeah, Vespa basically relinquished the U.S. scooter market to the Japanese. But, but the Japanese scooters never had the same kind of style that that Vespa they, they don't want to be crotch rockets well or, or they're just making it look like some sort of 80s angular thing that you know people the people who are who were into the vintage scooter aesthetic it was pretty much the antithesis of what what everybody who was into Vespas or Lambrettas liked yeah. so so it never it never caught on with the original scooter scene although scooters scooter sales among the general public uh, by, by Honda and Yamaha were actually pretty good um, because mm. from a technical sp- standpoint, they're they're decent bikes. They're they're very different yeah. from you know from the the vintage European ones. But uh, hey, but they're I, I've always said if I got if, if I won the lottery next week, I would buy a brand new uh, Japanese model. It wouldn't even matter. I'd buy it for the engine. I'd buy it for the frame. I'd tear all the plastic crap off it. <laughs> I would get make an art project out of it, and it would look like it was at a forty k a forty k orc mobile. Nice. In about in about you know about three hours. Nice. But, yeah, cool. but, and I would ride it to every classic only scooter rally mm. and sit there and go, look at this. I actually rode here on it because <laughs> <laughs> I just can't stand their snobbishness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and 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 I, I I do have to say I, I I've personally been turned off by the snobbishness too, and and I still have a lot of vintage bikes and I love my vintage bikes, but frankly it, it's it's been even like I, I haven't I've, it's been hard to. Get get the motivation to to get them running again because you know as much as i'd like to go to a rally it's like i don't want to deal with that attitude you know i just want to hang out with people who love to ride and it, you know well, no, we, we could be worse and not everyone's like that and I mean, yeah. we don't have we don't have a major drug problem outside of maybe marijuana which is i really consider a drug and uh, we don't have <laughs> violence and we don't have this i mean if you're gonna have you got to have a dark side somewhere but snobbishness geez i can deal with that true <laughs> but could be a lot worse closed. yeah yeah <laughs> it could be a whole lot worse i, I kind of I kind of like the adversarial side. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and, and there is, I mean, there is definitely a history of, of as you talked about, with uh, the yeah. clashes within subcultures and stuff that the scooter scene, scene has been a part of. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, so um, so we've got a a, um, a new uh, yeah. It's, well, it's kind of the way that, that things are going now. It's it's um, kind of I think it's kind of hard to see where things are going to go in the future. What what are your thoughts about? The future of you know what, I've actually heard people openly talk about how there is no future and they and how they're they're saying that we're they're basically uh, either settled to concede that they're in part of a dead a dead uh, culture and that there isn't any future and I'm like you know here I am I, I'm the, I'm the person who looks like I'm waiting for a post apocalyptic world you know dreadlock <laughs> armor uh, you know but I'm sitting there going. No, uh, we're going to have hydro and electric scooters, and I'm going to. I'd love to be involved in making them look as cool as possible. And why? Why can't we? Just, what, what is this whole? Uh, you know, this whole. You know, I'm going to 
I'm resigned to I'm resigned to the end kind of thing. It's just sad. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that there's definitely a place for scooters. I, I think that there are going to be uh, new 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 uh, forms of, of propulsion that are going to be used, especially electric. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And yeah, there will probably be styling changes, but but that doesn't mean that you know, they can't be made to look good. And and I think well, I, I get big I get big hope from the English people who are redoing the Lambretta style body with a different name. They're called. There's several different companies. My the first one was Scamati. Yep. And they basically have a four stroke modern scooter that looks exactly like a Lambretta. And uh people people, you know, of course they're gonna crap on them because I don't I really don't understand why they're crapping them. They're like when I <laughs> Well they're not they're, they're not pure I'm, because they can't it's like going yeah, you're, I think that's a pretty straight answer. Yeah. What? That that they're they're not pure. They're not you know. Oh yeah, no. Geez. The minute someone says the word pure, I get a I get a quiver up the back of my neck, and I'm trying to resist from yelling or hitting them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I get like this going, dude. I've actually got in fistfights with real goddamn Nazis in the street, and you just said one of their buzzwords. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> so but but yeah um i mean i think i think there's there's definitely a lot of uh a lot of potential for the future because you know scooters have always been a practical form of transportation and and i think it's just a matter of finding the right combination that that works for the modern world in terms of practicality and design and efficiency and i think if you can if you can get that combination right you'll you'll have a really good product that that will sell. I mean, I'm, with I'm, every bit of practical transportation, there's got to be people like me who are willing to make it ridiculous. Yeah, oh sure. And that's and that and that, <laughs> that's, and, that's and, like I'm, I'm here to make it I have, right now that my dragon scooter uh, is is in the top uh, tra- dragon Lambretta scooter is in top shape because there's a guy 20 miles from my house who only works on Lambretta who treats me like his favorite charity case. Nice. <laughs> and it, it just it's running you know it's doing 65 on 10 inch wheels and, and running like a fat out of hell. I did 60 miles on it yesterday and and, and it. You know, literally has three-dimensional scales, and I'm trying to figure out how to get smoke to come out of its nose. Nice. <laughs> I, I, so, I I think that you definitely need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it, so it, I, and I'm sure there, that people can look up pictures of your dragon bike online, right? Yeah. Well, basically, I always tell a joke because, like, if you Google scooter and ogre, I'm one of the first things that shows up in Google pictures. Yeah. Yeah, so anybody can yes. can Google that and, and, and see, see who we're talking to here. I'm, I'm kind of famous, no, yeah. I'm, <laughs> kind of a big deal. I'm an, well, no, I'm kind of a big. I'm, I'm an anti-Kardashian though. It's like everybody <laughs> fucking knows me, but I don't have any money at all. Yes, <laughs> but but a heart of gold. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I got that ass. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So uh, so what, tell us tell us uh, before you go about some of the uh, some of the scooters that you have. So you told us about the dragon bike. What is that? Yeah, tell us about some of the scooters that you have. You you already mentioned the dragon bike, right? Well, I'm I'm really that was my first one ever, and it was uh, someone left it in a, in a in a yard in Connecticut in uh, in the seventies, and I I uh, my brother saw someone throwing it away and said, "How much you want for it?" And they said, "Free, man. It's going to cost me money to get rid of." So <laughs> he took it, put it by my parents' garage for a couple months. I had some uh, ideas how to customize it because. Uh, we have a third-party uh, scooter nut who had all the English scooter magazines, and uh, I was reading those and getting hooked. Going, we could do this, we could do that. He's like, "You take it. I don't want it." <laughs> <laughs> wow! And I took it and, and uh, did a bunch of etching on the white metal, and did a whole custom paint job, and got a, got an engine for a decent price in a in a box from from uh, 
where India smelled of burnt garbage. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> figured out figured out the hard way how to get the thing going. And <laughs> yeah. And uh, like we did my, back uh, in the day. <laughs> Yeah, then every everything went wrong, and then I had to figure out how to either where to get it fixed or how to fix it. And uh, over the next six, seven years, went crazy with that. Then I got a 2004, so that was like four or five years after I got the Lambretta, I got a Aprilia Mojito, and that was a modern bike. And that's when there were people in Boston and at scooter rallies around the world, around the world, around, you know, almost around the East Coast, East Pennsylvania, and that's a that decided to stop talking to me because I was now a modern scooterist. Yeah. That stupid crap. <laughs> and, and I, I, I took that bike, put ape hangers on it and a skull headlight and covered it in bones. <laughs> I and, actually just Googled <laughs> you and, and scooter and found that bike is pretty cool looking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, this yeah, that's, is, that's, yeah. And this is a 50 CC scooter, right? No, no, that was a, that was a 150. I got, I tried turned it into a 190. And oh, got cool. It for it. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it turns out it would only do 55, but it turns out it was because it had a uh, an Aprilia manufactured governor on it on the fuel on the fuel intake. Oh no! And did you pull I that off? I found out after I, I was scrapping the bike, and I because I, I could I rode it for when I, I drove it for about four year, three or four years, and then I had to get front brake pads, and I couldn't buy front brake pads because Aprilia got bought by uh, Pagio Vespa. Mm. And they discontinued everything and didn't have any spare parts. Yep. Oh man. So yeah, that that was that was my second scooter, and after that, I went back to the Lambretta, and I've been pretty much uh, hammering that thing out ever since. I've only really owned two bikes. I've never owned a motorcycle. I've never. Uh, I'm a uh, uh, straight. Uh, what, did, what did I? <laughs> there was somebody. There was someone talking about uh, she. She called herself a gold star lesbian. I was like, I'm a gold star scooterist. I've never been on a motorcycle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for calling in, Ogre, and telling us all about the uh, the history of scooters and, and scooter culture, with all all of its oh, yeah. ups and downs and and uh, depths. <laughs> yeah. No. We, we've. I always I always talk about how the biker who went to the scooter rally in in, in Niagara Canada and came out of it telling. Uh, like going, you people are crazy. You drank all night. You just rode all day. You drank all night and you rode all day. It's you, it's three in the morning and people are naked on scooters riding around in the mist. What the hell is going on here? And I go, you have a great time. He's like, oh yeah, it was awesome. You need a scooter. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. So on that note, I'll, 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 I'll say my goodbye and you guys have a great one. Awesome. Thanks, Ogre. Take Bye, Ogre. Ogre. Yeah. Take care. See you around. Bye. Bye. Cool. Wow. <laughs> it definitely brings into perspective the general idea of, okay, you know, are people, are scooters really that weak? Or, you know, are scooters, quote unquote, gay? Uh, with a history like that, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, okay, so who is truly, uh, in terms of the history, I mean, who in fact was a skinhead to actually throw down with the skinhead Nazis back in the day? That you know, is who, so crazy. I had no idea that yeah. was a thing. That's yeah. a part of yeah. scooter culture history. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and but think about it too. I mean, if you're you're riding a vintage Vespa back in the day, you know, on the freeway, because mm-hmm. that's you know, it's the only Vespas that there were. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're you're you know, you're riding alongside eighteen wheelers and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
you can't do that if you're not a badass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the kind of thing that makes people, you know, just cower and go home if you don't have, you know, nerves of steel and say, you know, screw you. I'm I'm you know, I'm going to ride on this road because God damn it, I'm allowed to. You know, and I, I don't care remember, what I'm riding. <laughs> I, I remember seeing a couple of uh, modern Vespas on the highway in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and just thinking how nuts mm-hmm. the people were for riding them there like that's okay a scooter handles way different than uh, a motorbike yeah right? and uh, as you were talking about earlier that can be really really useful in a lot of situations on the freeway riding a scooter with all of those cars in LA I just mm-hmm. I can't imagine how to handle that thing like <laughs> well it's I mean it, on, especially in a modern Vespa, it's—I mm-hmm. mean—it's got modern brakes. It's got good acceleration. It really is not a problem, mm-hmm. and you're very nimble. You know, you can you can dart in and out of you know of, of close situations pretty easily because scooters are very maneuverable. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you know how to handle it, you, even you can, at the higher speeds with those little tires. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. I mean, modern Vespas have 12-inch tires, mm-hmm. which are almost the size of some car tires, or some car tires actually are that size. <laughs> you know, so it's it's really not—they're small. Smaller than motorcycle tires, but they're not that small. Gotcha. Now the vintage tires at you know, the ten inches, that does make a bit of a difference. Um, you know, those tires are not rated for the same speeds that that twelve mm-hmm. inch tires or bigger are. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, those vintage bikes aren't designed to go that fast either. Mm-hmm. So in most cases, you're doing you know fifty five, sixty five tops. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, but but doing that on a freeway, that that takes guts. Yeah, you yeah. know, so you know, so people people put down scooters as like some sort of wimps. It's like no, no, it, it takes it takes a lot of guts and and a lot of uh, just uh, not giving a fuck to, <laughs> to ride a scooter um, because because you do get shit and and people don't respect you on the road. Absolutely, but you have to hold your own because mm-hmm. if you don't, that's when you know you'll get run off the road or worse. You know. Because people are stupid out there, yeah. and and motorcyclists know how stupid drivers are. Well, they're twice as stupid around scooters. Mm-hmm. No shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, didn't you actually try to put a car tire on the back of one of your GTSs? Oh, I did. Okay, what? that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a a twelve inch uh, tire that was for a Mini Cooper. That uh, like a donut tire or like a just a stock Mini Cooper tire. A stock Mini Cooper twelve inch tire. Wow. It was a one forty five seventy twelve. <laughs> and I put that on the back of my bike uh-huh. uh, so that I could because because one of the one of the things about um, scooter tires because they're a smaller diameter mm-hmm. they do wear out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Your typical scooter tire on a on a on a modern Vespa will will go for about three thousand miles. Okay, for your um, last fifteen hundred. <laughs> yeah, it could last fifteen hundred if I'm really pushing it on the cannonball or something. And, and so that's what I did is I got this this car tire for the long flat. Uh, plain states when I was on the cannonball mm-hmm. because it's because uh, it's a 145 um, which is bigger than the well the stock tire is a 130 yeah and the, the bigger motorcycle tire that you can fit on there is a 140 mm-hmm. but this car tire was a 145 so it was a little bit bigger mm-hmm. and it was a, a, a steel belted radial but now it, it's <laughs> so also flat right the scooter and the motorcycle one are going to be rounded yep. so yes. you can lean on it right what's it like and to this is, ride a scooter on a tire that has no profile. It's well, it's like riding a motorcycle with with a, a car tire, which is known as going to the dark side. Okay, it it makes you a bit tippy when you get up on that on that edge on the side in, in the rear, and it's it's a little unsettling. I but, can imagine, but you get used to it. I mean, it, it it gets predictable, and as you do it more, the edge will wear down a little bit, so it's not quite as harsh at, as it mm-hmm. is at first. 
Um, but it does not inspire confidence in handling. I see. I wouldn't <laughs> expect it to, no. Yeah, it's it's okay if you're going for long, flat, straight stretches at top speed. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 was, it was also, on a side note, a little bit difficult to get up to top speed because of the gearing uh, of, of the automatic transmission. Mm-hmm. Um, it, had a, it had a tough time with that taller tire. I see. So, yeah, so it took a while to get there. Um, but and, and and the handling in the curves was terrible, but the tire wear was phenomenal. <laughs> I, I, I probably put ten thousand miles on that tire, and it's like not even half worn out. But I don't I don't run it anymore because it's just not fun to ride on. Yeah, insane. Yeah. So um, that actually brings us to our next topic of scooter touring, <laughs> which I think probably a lot of people are not even aware is a thing. But yes, mm-hmm. there it is possible to tour on a scooter, and lots of people do it. So to talk about scooter touring, uh, I've brought in uh, another friend of mine, uh, Warren from Kentucky. So uh, Warren, you have done a lot of scooter touring. Is that is that right? Uh, yeah, actually, quite a bit, uh, both in Europe and uh, a little bit less in the U.S. But yeah. And uh, why, so let's start off and say, why would anybody want to tour on a scooter versus a motorcycle? Hmm. Well, uh, you know, there are a lot of reasons. Uh, If you want to talk about domestically, you, you know, you have uh, a lot better uh, gas mileage uh, storage usually on most scooters, uh, unless you're just carrying a whole lot of stuff, Uh, your essential things on a scooter. You can get a lot of you know you can get a lot of storage in there i can take a, a back and you know rain gear and a little bit of electronics and you know be gone for a week or so and uh have to do some laundry every now and then but i like to uh, i you know i kind of like the freedom of it uh you're not encumbered you kind of get away from uh a lot of stuff yeah whether you camp or stay in motels you know that's sort of a personal preference i i've uh, i've been a camper my entire life and uh you know i don't mind sleeping in a tent every now and then but uh as i get a little older i kind of kind of prefer having a bed too yeah (laughs) but but a scooter does lend itself to uh you know accessibility of a lot of places uh I, i just like the compactness of it yeah and uh, and also the the efficiency. I mean, you get uh, get good fuel mileage even even when you're loaded down with gear. Oh yeah, right. Uh, you know, talking about my my experience in Europe, uh, I've taken six uh, organized scooter tours in Europe with uh, the same group. Uh, they we've been calling ourselves the Vespa Club del Mediterraneo. We're an actual Vespa Club, even though it's no you know we have. We don't have dues or a president or anything, but or, or even a meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, other, other, other than, than other than when, a trip a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going on a trip, and they, and they've been uh, having trips every year since about two thousand nine. Uh, started off in Greece. Uh, one of my most uh, favorite places, I guess, to go is uh, on the Greek tour. We usually do three islands. Uh, you get a scooter for each island, so you just take a you know take a ferry in between. And I guess probably the best scooter riding I've ever done anywhere would I would have to say is on the island of Naxos. Mm, yeah, uh, beautiful mountain rides. Uh, it was a sort of a mining island for a long time, and so there are places where uh, they built roads to have access, uh, I guess, to the 
you know, they, they mine uh, the stuff they used to make emery boards out of. I'm not sure what the mineral is. Corundum, maybe. Hmm. And uh, anyways, a lot of the old mining stuff is still there. So you've got you've got that plus, uh, you know, neat little villages. Uh, for anybody that likes to watch uh, Anthony Bourdain's series, he does did one on the Greek islands. And he actually goes to the town of Aparanthos, which is where when we go to that island, uh, many of us have a, a restaurant. We really like it, that, that little town. So, you know, the other thing about it is, is um, to go from place to place and take all your stuff on a scooter. It's, uh, it's not as hard as you'd think. I, uh, I usually, I've got a, a dry bag that I put stuff in and, you know, a, a mesh, a mesh uh, uh, I guess, net to hold it onto the, to the scooter. Uh, but I've have, I've got some friends that I've, I follow the blogs, and they take an amazing amount of stuff, and they're gone for a long time. Yeah. Um, but you know, for a week, I can go. I can go for a week almost anywhere with a pretty much a, a decent sized backpack, and uh, you know, have to stop and do laundry sometimes, recharge. But I, I just like the uh, the ability to get out there. You're out on the road. You you, you see and hear and smell everything you're not going as fast as you might on a motorcycle you don't have that the uh, the temptation to uh you know to get in a hurry to you know race around i guess um the thing about europe is we usually rent 125s which is actually smaller than what i ride at home but uh yeah. with a group you know you, you everybody can keep up it's uh you know you can have a lot of fun but it, it's not a um you know, not a big challenge, maybe. Yeah, and and the one twenty fives also are, are tuned differently in Europe um, because that's that's kind of the standard one of the standard classes for small bikes. So so those are those are actually tuned for for a little bit better performance than what what we would expect out of a one twenty five here in the states, right? Yeah, I think so, and I think what my German buddy uh, explained to me was that. Uh, the reason you don't see 150s much is because in in the European Union, 125 is the cutoff for the more expensive, extensive license training. Yeah. Uh, so I think you can, you know, I think you have to get some kind of a, a license in most European countries for uh, 125. But then after that, it's a much more expensive process. So if you're going to go through that process, you usually probably want something bigger than a 150 because, you know, that's yeah. not worth it. For, but anyway, yeah. uh, you know, we've had a lot of success with that. We've, uh, like I say, we're, we're going to Portugal uh, this year in September. And as a matter of fact, in uh, a week from tomorrow, I'm leaving to do a pre-ride of that, uh, that trip. We oh, have a, nice. have a travel agent that it's based in Greece and she does all the hotel reservations and, uh, you know, plans that out. So this other guy, Roland and I are going to go and actually pre-ride, go to all the hotels. And, uh, and it's going to be the first time that we're starting in one city and leaving from another one. Hmm. We're actually, actually going to start in Lisbon. And because of the nature of the way Portugal is, uh, instead of going somewhere and coming back to Lisbon, we're just going to go up to Porto, which is in the north, and hit a few places in between. So I'm real excited about that. I've been uh, I've been reading up the uh, you know the guidebooks, uh, trying to figure some things out. I'm trying to learn Portuguese a little better. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I already speak Spanish, so you know Portuguese I can read it already, but the the spoken part of it's a real challenge. But that's part of the fun of it too. Yeah. Nice. And so, so what, what other countries have you, have you toured on the scooter on? I've uh, done Italy twice, uh, Spain twice, Catalonia based out of Barcelona. 
I've done um, Greece, as I mentioned, uh, twice. So, uh, and, and into France from both from Spain and uh, uh, from Catalonia going into France, I've done that. I, they actually, the group had us a trip to southern Spain a few years ago, but that was the one I missed. I had something going on at the time and couldn't do it. Yeah, and you were, were you on the, uh, the the France trip as well? No, that's the one I missed. I think that oh, okay. was your first one. And, yeah. Uh, I, I had ended up, it's kind of a funny story, but I ended up, uh, this college buddy of mine, I hadn't seen him in 20 years or so, and we kind of caught up and we were visiting and his wife is a big opera fan and she suggested you know coming to see us and go to the opera in cincinnati which is you know they've got a decent uh, touring company that shows up you know i said well you know she's okay <laughs> but that was right in the middle of when and my wife wasn't gonna host them by herself so. <laughs> it was a great opera but you know um but yeah. Roland says that was the best trip, and and then he kind of acts like it was because I wasn't on it. But like it's just, <laughs> that sounds like Roland. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just breaking my balls yeah. on that one. Yeah, and just in full disclosure, I, I have toured with the same group uh, in uh, France in 2014 and uh, the Greek Islands in 2015, and both phenomenal trips. Um, especially going through the French Alps on a scooter was just oh, it was just spectacular. Mm, so much great scenery and riding. And, uh, yeah, the um, the Italy trip we went on when you were in Pakistan, we went to uh, up La Spezia and near uh, Cinque Terre, up in that area, mm-hmm. and it really, really some outstanding mountain rides there. Yeah, I would have loved uh, to have gone on that. It was, and and you know, it's a lot of people in the group. They're kind of, I think, some of them have kind of gotten tired of Italy. Uh, you know, once you've done it a few times, it's kind of. Uh, you know you've kind of done it and mm-hmm. and uh so you know we're we're still thinking about maybe doing greece in 2020 just as a as a chance to uh, we always kind of like to go back there because it's just and I, I i wish i had the uh the eloquence and uh ability to describe just how beautiful and just how great it is you know those islands that we go to oh, yeah. i mean athens is athens is a big city and there's some <laughs> cool things there but for the most part, if you could, uh, if you could just go directly to to Paros or Naxos and bypass Athens, you know that'd be okay too. But yeah. you know, like I say, every, every time I go to Athens, I like it a little bit better. But uh, we don't ride scooters in in Athens. Uh, we right. do ride them. We've ridden them in Barcelona, which Barcelona's. Uh, if you don't like crowded cities, uh, you know Barcelona's uh, kind of hairy riding. Uh, a lot of one way streets, but you know, once you get the hang of it, it's kind of fun. Uh, European cities, this, uh, you know, you can lane split or they call it filtering. Yep. I've done that in Florence. And uh, the first time I ever went to Florence uh, in a rental car, I'm thinking like, Jesus, look at all these scooters. Right? And and then when I went in on, uh, on a scooter, the, the guy that was my roommate at the time was another German guy. And uh, he basically kind of said, no, this is how you do it. And we, uh, you know, we filtered. And, and the whole point of having a scooter is you don't have to wait. Uh, yeah. wait in traffic so mm-hmm. yeah and, and, uh, and the cars will actually get mad if you if you don't filter yeah <laughs> oh really well, like, get, you're, you're getting in my way <laughs> go you scooter get get out of here like you're supposed to yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and another, another thing about um, especially on, on the greek islands um which, which I think is is one of the the real benefits to touring on the scooter is that once once you get out of the the city and you're out in the countryside and in little towns, you know it you you have so uh, 
you have so much accessibility to go go anywhere to just see everyday life in in these sort of far far and remote places and and you really can get a feel for um, you know for what you know what life is like there if you stop in a little town and, and stop for lunch um, just completely unplanned and you know which I don't suppose you can do it on a motorcycle but there's something about a scooter where you're 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 more approachable um, right you know there there are there's sort of a I don't know and very much undeserved uh, I guess sort of prejudice against motorcycle riders. People are kind of hesitant to speak with them. They're worried they're like some sort of bad dudes or something. But uh, you know, but on a scooter, it, you don't get that really. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. I suppose it's interesting it suppose you bring that up. But depends how you look, I suppose. But you know. <laughs> sure. Well, well, the the difference that I've seen in the the touring groups uh, in because we see a lot of motorcycle touring groups too when we're in Europe. And the difference between, I would say, just in my personal experience, is that in Europe, the motorcycle groups generally have, you know, leathers and 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 brand identified clothing, and they kind of, you know, they kind of go in little pods, and 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 they are they're not necessarily intimidating like you'd think of outlaw bikers, but they are not necessarily like tourists interested in you know the people where they they stop for a coffee or something and i'm sure they talk but a lot of times they are a little bit they're not as approachable and they're not you know they don't look like kind of regular people on a scooter you take off your jacket you're just wearing your regular clothes and you walk around and you you know uh you meet interesting people and but it you know it it goes whatever people's personality are but yeah I, i get that here one of the things i remember uh when i was riding scooters in la is uh I was able to see the city and uh, I could actually, you know, learn about the different places and, and find little mom and pop shops to stop at and eat or, or look at things at. Whereas when I switched to motorcycles, um, the whole point of being on the bike was to get to my end destination and get off my bike. You know, the ride, it was about getting to where I was going. And then on the weekends, it was about riding in the area that I was riding as opposed to sort of like this exploratory type of adventure agreed yeah it's just yeah. something interesting that while i was listening to you talk that popped into my head and i i felt like i wanted to share it that's all yeah yeah cool yeah and i think scooters really do lend themselves to that um because also on, on a motorcycle because it's a much heavier bike you you may you may be less likely to go up some you know dirt goat trail you know <laughs> there's a little scooter you're like hey let's go up there and check it out you know and you just yeah. bounce around a little bit and you make it up there because it's it's yeah. a light light bike it's easy to handle easy to maneuver um even with the automatic transmission i mean it'll, it'll get up and go mm-hmm so you know so you can like especially like on a greek island you can find a little a little goat trail somewhere and go follow it to see where it goes and maybe you'll end up somewhere with some delicious feta cheese who knows <laughs> yeah sometimes if you uh, if you lead a group up that little goat trail and you have to come right back down and it, it's easier to do it on a scooter <laughs> right yeah i like to turn around in the middle of a goat trail too i've definitely done that before yep yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and just thinking about, and I know kind of switching back and forth, but just uh, the last big trip I took in the States was uh, I went to a Maribesma last summer. I, I live in Carrollton, Kentucky, and Richmond, Virginia is about uh, 525, 550 miles from here. And I did it in two days on the way over, uh, carried everything I was going to have, you know, because I didn't have any other way to get it there. And then uh, on the way back, we just came the whole way, just did the whole whole 500 and whatever and i ended up in a rainstorm in the end but you know it was a lot of fun and it, it was um 
a lot of neat stuff to see. The guy that was with me had never been to Kentucky or Virginia before, so you know it was a great experience for him and just the ability to, you know, like I said, to go to places and and you're real quick on and off. You know, you stop and get something to eat or just stop and look at something interesting. A lot of a lot of interesting stuff to see. You know, uh, and and you know, you once you kind of get off the beaten track and you get away from the idea of of going on the interstate. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that. That's one thing. You know, motorcycles, motorcycles, and scooters both. You can do that, but like I say, on a scooter, you're um, you are maybe more approachable and maybe are more likely to stop and and look at stuff and just concentrate on you know going from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. And um, so, uh, what what would you say is your your favorite uh, tour that you've taken on on a scooter? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I was a high school teacher for uh, 32 years, and students would always ask me what my favorite this or favorite that was. <laughs> and, you know, my standard answer was always, I really, you know, I'm really not a favorite kind of person. But having said that, I, I will say that the Greek islands definitely, you know, is the kind of place I would go. You know, if somebody called me up tomorrow and say, hey, you know, we're going to Greece and we need one more person, can you come? I'd say, yeah, I'll be there. Um, but then after that, I would say, you know, around here riding, I rode to Memphis in the summer. It was a little hot, but it was kind of fun because there were a lot of old kind of roadside attractions uh, back in that. It, that The U.S. highways between here and Memphis go through a lot of places that used to be uh, resort areas and there aren't anymore because, you know, for a lot of reasons. So it was kind of cool to see that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so any any place where you're kind of off the beaten track. I went to uh, I went to Florida in December and met up with some of the guys that I've you know traveled with in Europe that live there. And one guy lent me the his MP3 that he had he'd actually sold it to somebody, but he hadn't gotten a deposit yet. So we rode around uh, in Central Florida and went to see some neat stuff, just off the wall kind of stuff that you know you wouldn't know about unless some local you know told you so uh this one guy's crazy aluminum castle out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> uh you can look it up it's called solomon's castle you, you look it up on youtube and the guy was this kind of eccentric artist that uh just did all this just really just amazingly uh magical stuff it was it was real he just did sculptures out of just everyday ordinary things and made up just silly puns for all the artwork and it's it's definitely worth checking it out on uh on on youtube but i I never would have gone there except for these guys you know that live there and they ride all the time uh you know and it's just so just one of those little things that they discovered while they're out riding yeah yeah it's uh, i mean it's kind of a well-known place once you get down into florida i guess but uh, uh, that and uh, went by uh, Lake Okeechobee, which is uh, a huge, la- a huge lake, but it's it's behind a big like uh, a berm. And I guess it's a natural lake, but they've built a levee all around it, mm-hmm. and so you can't see the lake unless you go up the levee. Uh, okay. And so you know we did that, and, and you know it was just kind of cool. And uh, I, I, yeah, Bill uh, Bill Luthold, I think you met him. He mm-hmm. was in, he was in Greece, and, and he was one of the guys. And Ken Wilson, I don't know if you ever met him, but he was yeah. the guy. Yeah, lives in St. Pete, and uh, those guys, uh, they're cannonballers, and they they ride everywhere all the time. Yep. And uh, I just 
you know, I've not done anything like that yet. I'm, I'm a little intrigued about the info I saw today about the 2020 Cannonball starting up in Maine. Yeah, yeah, they just announced to, it. Yeah, yeah. Is it, is it, I think it's going from uh, was it uh, Portland, Maine, or some? I forget. Is where. it Bar Harbor? Bar I Harbor, think. Maine to uh, Eureka, California. I think. Oh, wow, that's nice. a long way. Yeah, somewhere, yeah. somewhere up in Northern California. But okay, yeah. so I I wasn't sure where Eureka was. I've been to. Uh, I've been in Northern California, but it's been a while. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I imagine that'll be uh, that'll be quite a ride. Um, yeah. I, I am I am not going to do it again. <laughs> I've, I've you done, sure about that? Yeah, I've done all my <laughs> cannonballs. I, I don't I don't I don't need to do any more. Mm. What's but, the longest uh, single day you did on a scooter? Uh, me? Yeah, both of you guys actually. Uh, well, the longest day that I've done on a scooter, mile wise, is about I think one thousand twenty three miles, oh, mm. <laughs> and that was in about twenty twenty out twenty and a half hours, something like that. Okay, was that when you did your iron butt, or is that uh... that was part of the iron butt fifteen hundred? Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I've never done anything that nuts. I uh, <laughs> I think. I think 12 hours or so, maybe, to do 525 miles. That's still That's super serious. Yeah. Well, and but we stopped fairly often, and I actually had to talk my buddy into uh, going all the... We got to about three hours away from Lexington, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and we stopped for something to eat, and we were thinking about... And I thought, you know, for three more hours, why spend a night? And so uh, I talked to him, because he, he had to get home for work, you know, in a couple of days, and so... Um, I knew the weather might get a little iffy, but I didn't tell him that. And uh, so, <laughs> so, so we, you know, we're heading on up, and, and it's beautiful. It starts getting cloudy a little bit, and it starts raining a little bit. You know, if it's a light rain in the summer, you dry off real quick, you know. And so we didn't put the gear on, and uh, we got to about and maybe 20 miles from Lexington, and we were going to take the interstate the rest of the way in. And it starts raining, and it, it was a steady rain. It wasn't too bad. It was, it was fine. So uh, my my oil light came on, and uh, so I, you know, as soon as we get off the interstate, I checked, uh, you know, bought some oil and put it in. Checked, it, you know, it's GTS. The oil's really, it's really hard to get the right amount of oil in those things. But anyway, <laughs> so I, I did, you know, stop. The place we stopped just had paper funnels, and <laughs> it stopped raining. So we oil up. And we head back to basically. My wife was waiting. She drove. She'd driven his his car and trailer to her parents' house at the time, and it started raining really hard. And we were about two miles away. And I knew that we only had you know ten more minutes, but he had no idea. He didn't. <laughs> so when we <laughs> got there, he's got he hours so, in pouring rain. <laughs> oh man, he was so mad. And that's probably the hardest rain I've ever ridden in. So I'm riding really slow because you know I've been riding since early that day and you know it was hour number 12 and i'm not going to wipe out you know a mile from my destination so uh and i mean it was like a couple of inches of water running down the street it was just so much i mean i've never been in that much of rain so we finally get there and he he, he complained a little bit but i said ah, you know so we gave him a hot meal and a shower and he, he got up the next morning and headed back to wisconsin so, uh, wow <laughs> I could have done without the rain, but it was fun, as, and it makes a great story. He'll be telling that story the rest of his life, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Warren, for coming on and, and telling us hey. about uh, your scooter touring adventures. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I hope to uh, catch, you get, catch you again on another ride one of these days. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, uh, oh, uh, just as a, a little side note, I, I, you know, I saw you in Boston last year, and uh, yeah, my my connection to Boston may come to an end. I think my son's going to be moving in uh, late in the year in uh, November, so uh, you know, I'm going to miss being able to go to Boston. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. It'll free you up to for, for another scooter touring destination, at least. <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah, he's moving to Chicago, which is closer, so I'll just ride up there. I'm going to ride to Wisconsin this summer for Maribus. Anyways, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, cool. We'll see you there, brother. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Warren. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Very cool. All right. So, uh, I guess before we go, do uh, do either of you have any questions about scooters or anything else about scooters that you want to bring up or talk about that we haven't touched on yet? Well, one of the things uh, that I didn't hear you guys talk about was the the new rise in like electric scooters that are being made mm. and yeah. i'm super interested in this i like i have uh, some roots in scooters but uh i'm not part of any of the cultures or anything like that and i i was never a fan of like the uh what were they vectrix yeah um i just wasn't a fan of the tech that was in them so mm-hmm. that didn't really attract me mm-hmm. but the bmw scooters seem like they have some really interesting technology in them they don't seem super expensive for what they're offering mm-hmm. um what kind of things do you see in the electric market for scooters well uh those those have been the two biggest electric scooters that have have come come out so mm-hmm. far um the Vectrix, vectrix unfortunately did not do very well um, mm-hmm. There were a lot of limitations with with the technology they were using, um, but there there are a couple of other uh, companies that are now starting to uh, to pr- produce some bikes. Um, there is a very interesting one in Europe that uh, is a company called uh, Shizetta, okay, which was originally a Czech. Uh, a Czech a Czech company that produced scooters in the fifties and sixties, uh-huh. and they have resurrected the company with the same design scooter, except with an electric powertrain. Wow! And uh, the the range and speed of this bike is as close to acceptable, in my opinion, as any other scooter that I've seen. And these guys are called Shizeta. Yes, C E Z E T A. And uh, I don't believe they're being sold in the United States yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fairly small production. Um, I believe they're only selling it in Europe for now. Um, but the bikes, it's, it, I will admit, it is, a, it is an odd-looking bike, which it was <laughs> when it came out. Oh, it, my goodness. I just Googled it. It is so yes. cool-looking. I've s- seen these before. Yeah, it has like the Cyclops headlight on this front fender that sticks out in front of the rear tire um, and sort of a strange body shape. But uh, but the, the, the power and performance of this bike seem pretty pretty impressive for most of uh, compared to the most of the electric scooters that have, that have been put out mm-hmm. because the vast majority of electric scooters that are out there are just these very cheap very kind of thrown together uh, bikes most often from China that right they're are, made for the uh, the Asian market that you know they make maybe a hundred dollars a month so they need something cheap right. and affordable right and and they're usually restricted to like 30 miles an hour or less mm-hmm. so they're often registered as as a moped even though they don't have pedals Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they're, um, most of those bikes really just don't have any appeal to me because they're so limited in their use of mm-hmm. you know just going around in the city. 
Um, Vespa is just releasing now its first electric scooter. Oh, really? Uh, the Vespa Electrica, um, which is based on the uh, the Sprint um, or the Primavera uh, bot, uh, platform, mm-hmm. which is their their smaller bike. Um, but the problem with this with this scoot is that its top speed is limited to under 30 miles an hour. Oh, wow. And uh, the range, I think, is, um, I think they said it was like 100 kilometers or about 62 miles. Okay. Um, it's a long way to go at 30 miles an hour, though. Yeah, it is. And and it's I, it's a beautiful looking bike. Um, I think they, they did a, a great job with the styling. But the, the performance is just not enough to, to attract someone like me who likes to really ride. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would be great for somebody to, to go around in the city, but its retail price is seven grand. So mm-hmm. that's going to put some people off because I don't think there are any sort of state or federal credits anymore for uh, electric vehicles, are there? Uh, it changes year to year. No, this um, is true. I forget if there's one this year. Or yeah, not. and I don't know of any that are available now. But but mm-hmm. check and see, and it may vary from state to state too, depending on the state incentives. Um, and I, I am very tempted to to get one just because it's the first electric Vespa. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm I just I can't I can't justify dropping that much money on something I'm not going to be able to ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. more so, than to go down to, to the corner store. So this is actually a really good uh, thing for for telling people about, uh, like. Uh, an electric motorcycle is going to cost between fourteen thousand and thirty thousand dollars on average, right? Mm-hmm. So the price of the electric scooters now the the new Vespa one you said is going to be around seven grand. I believe so. I, I may be I may be mistaken. It might okay. it might be more than that. I'm not positive. And is that in a similar price tier as uh, as the motorcycles are? So like the fourteen to thirty grand, you're in the upper end of motorcycles. It's um, you know yeah the lower cost ones, the fourteen grand ones, they're not super super expensive for a motorcycle but uh it's still more than a lot of people are willing to spend but i don't know about the cost in the scooter world yeah this is it's it's for the size of scooter that it is it is very much at the the upper end i mean it's Mm -hmm. it really is is this the performance of a 50 cc scooter oh and you know those those retail for about two thousand to three thousand dollars okay this is more than twice that i see so it's it's really pushing the limit for what it is Mm -hmm. um the, the the similar the same body style um, as a 150 uh, gas bike would go I believe for about 4200 okay and uh, the 300 larger larger size Vespa uh, retails I think for around 62 um, base, so base the, price the scoot uh, group is going through the same growing pains that the motorcycle group has been going yeah. through. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that that has to do with uh, with a the, the cost of the technology mm-hmm. and b the low volume of production mm-hmm. because with those two factors it's going to be a, uh, it's going to have a high price. But um, I I really hope that that Vespa is going to continue in this direction and put out bikes with with bigger battery capacity, mm-hmm. higher top speed, and especially in a larger frame bike. Um, because I think if they can do that, um, yeah. that's something that can sell well. And if they can pack a lot of batteries into it to you know, be able to do 100 miles per charge mm-hmm. or more, uh, I think that could be a real contender. Now, have you heard of uh, these? I think they're smaller scooters, but uh, Gen Z and yes. Niu? Yeah. What do you guys think about those? Well, uh, they, again, the Gen Z bikes—they're—they're uh, they're well-made bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, They—they they are uh, manufactured here in the United States, as mm-hmm. I understand, uh, you know, or assembled it at the very least. Uh, I'm sure there's whatever the qualifications are for sticking the American flag on it. Exactly, they meet it. Um, 
but again, these are bikes that are limited to moped-like uh, performance. You know, it's 30 miles an hour or less. Uh-huh. Um, they're they're very utilitarian bikes. They have uh, a great amount of carrying capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they're. They're very fairly simple, minimalistic. You know, mm-hmm. I'd say decent design, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, just the the top speed is, is something that, that that's far below what what my standards are. So mm-hmm. so it's not something that I'd personally be interested interested in. Um, what was the other one that you mentioned? Uh, new, new N I U. I don't know much about that one. I think I've heard of it, but I I don't know the so details. So I've I've heard a bunch of good stuff. Uh, I've recently been to China and been looking into like the scooter market and the motorcycle market over there, mm-hmm. and uh, that's one of the brands that I heard a lot of good stuff about. Hmm. Um, but I I don't know very much about it yet myself. Yeah. Uh, it just seems they they have good quality and good uh, parts used in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think that we we are going to see more you know more more bikes more scooters coming out with electric drivetrains in in the years to come, mm-hmm. um, and I and I really hope that the the major manufacturers are going to put uh, put some serious investment in that because you know I I, I don't see a future without that mm. so you know and I think that that it's just a matter of the battery technology progressing to a point where it can be produced cheaper and with uh, greater capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really the only limiting factor for electric vehicles nowadays. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, so if they can if they can get on that that uh, on that bandwagon, the sooner the better. Yeah. Uh, well, a scooter is definitely a much better platform than a motorcycle for it because you have so much more room. Yes, and and there's and there's it's it's possible to, to put that weight very centered and very low in the bike, mm-hmm. uh, which is where you want it. Yep. So um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what comes in the future. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think two stroke is pretty much dead, unfortunately. Yep. Um, even even the vintage bikes, you know, it's it's a challenge to keep them running because the 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 the, ethan, uh, the ethanol ethanolated gas mm-hmm. will eat away the seals yep. and then the two stroke motor and you know and that's that's the 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 the, the straw that'll break the camel's back on a bike. Well, also, a lot of countries are making it illegal to fix uh, your outlawed engines, whether it's a two stroke mm. engine or a, just a petrol engine in general. Yeah, and, and I think Italy's gotten rid of a lot of their their vintage bikes because of that. Mm-hmm. You know the the euro standards for emissions have gotten very strict mm-hmm. and um and, and and a lot of cities are just prohibiting vehicles after a certain age nowadays too mm-hmm. uh because of the pollution issues so it's becoming harder and harder to own a vintage bike mm-hmm. um you know i'm i'm kind of facing the thought of you know how am i going to keep my bikes running when i get them running again <laughs> <laughs> so you know so i'm thinking like i'm gonna have to get a supply for non-ethylated ethanolated gas and you know and be very meticulous about taking now care can't of you them. just swap out your seals and hoses and things like that or is that like way more work than is feasible they don't make seals that are ethanol resistant. I have not found them. Oh, I, I'm shocked that they don't make them because I thought that would be a huge seller in mm-hmm. the vintage scooter community, and and maybe someday somebody will make them. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, I, I think it's it's something that's long overdue. But then again, maybe the motorcycle automotive industry wants to let the old two strokes die um, mm-hmm. because of the the emissions problems. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, I mean, I, I certainly don't want to contribute to that, but I, I got to say, I mean, it is a hell of a lot of fun to rip around on on my P two hundred with the with a two ten kit on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I guess everything in moderation. Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks. Yeah. And uh, Jesse, did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about scooter scooter wise? 
I think pretty much at this point, we've pretty much covered everything off the top of my head uh, to echo what we were talking about before. Uh, the fact that I have the 125cc vintage scooter and I can speak from experience of riding motorcycles, it really comes down to what do you really want to do with your bike. For myself, I've actually been a sole scooter rider for the better part of 12, 13 years uh, between the 125cc two-stroke and then the 250cc four-stroke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was able to commute to work. I was able to make my runs to Costco. I was able to do so much with it. But on the other hand, uh, like we were talking about before, the fact that scooters are seen as mopeds, so we are kind of second-class citizens to mm-hmm. the uh, you know one-and-a-half-class uh, motorcycle uh, class citizens, so <laughs> to speak. I, th- I mean, this is my personal take on it, just sure. because you know I think a lot of people do kind of look down on you when you tell them, oh, hey, guess what? You know, I ride a scooter. I've already, you know, somebody's already confronted me uh, in in line at Safeway just because, oh, yeah, you know, I ride a scooter and they knew I wasn't going to retaliate in any uh, sort of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's just a big problem of misconception and uh, just not really taking scooter is seriously just because there's a certain outlook as to you know what a scooter really is yeah yeah it's really the same thing though i mean bagel gave the things that make a scooter a scooter versus mm-hmm. a motorcycle and for the majority of it it's aesthetics with maybe like one actual mechanical mm-hmm. difference right yeah. yeah it's 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 all minor you know really relatively you know uh, relatively inconsequential differences really mm. it's just a layout variation when you come down to it mm-hmm. and i mean th- it does change the feel a little bit but you've got different feel between different motorcycles as well yep and you know it's it's just a different uh it's just another option within this the whole spectrum of two-wheeled vehicles that you know, that anybody can can you know can try and see how they like I and mean, granted it's not for everybody for sure because if you like big bikes and you like how big bikes handle you're probably going to hate a scooter because it's it it feels like super squirrely when you i remember my scooters were very very twitchy yes mm-hmm. right and that and uh, that's like just the front end angle i think right the it, geometry of it it has a lot to do with it's both and the, the tire angle, size the angle the 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 wheel size and the wheel the wheelbase mm-hmm. um i think it really has to do with most of it the the wheelbase um okay. But, you know, there, there are a lot of different factors that, that come into play. And really, it's a matter of, of trying it out and see what you think and, and how you like it. Because, like you said, every, every, just every bike has its purpose, you know. Mm-hmm. And there are purposes that, that suit a scooter remarkably well that motorcycles, you know, may not be able to do quite as, quite as well. Oh, so. man. Probably the best thing I can really describe the difference between mopeds, scooters, and motorcycles is, um, I don't know if I've ever told you guys or not, but what was it, 12 years ago, back in 2007, there was the running to the Legends of the Motorcycle from San Luis Obispo. Right, right. I actually met Mark, who was the uh, the owner of the Ace Cafe. He actually used to be a 
a, a mod and a scooterist, you know. Uh-huh. And so when I actually wa- uh, walked up directly to him, I said, "Mod!" <laughs> and it was like, I mean, I was dressed up, you know, in the Union Jack sweater and whatnot, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a picture on Flickr somewhere of us, you know, uh, looking as if we're about to go at blows because he's he's all dressed up, you know, in <laughs> his rocker. Rock, right. he's, uh-huh. he's dressed up as a rocker. I'm dressed up as a mod, uh-huh. you know. And we're like, "Oh yeah," um, and and probably the best thing he ever uh, said to me was the difference between a mod and rocker is mods mods and scooters or essentially scooters um make it as if their shit doesn't smell mm-hmm. rockers know their shit smell and will make sure that you actually smell it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i was like yeah that definitely you know, harkers down That's... to you know whatever it really comes down to of your mentality of yeah. whether you're a scooterist or you know you're actually a uh, a motorcyclist mm-hmm. that's hilarious um, <laughs> But uh, I forget you know, my entire tra- uh, train of thought. But you know, it really does come down to how do you really, how do you, how do you really use it? Because uh, for let's say you know you have a moped, you know mm-hmm. that's probably the equivalent of a a butter knife or a paring knife. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay, you get into a uh, a scooter that's probably going to be a little bit more of a serrated uh, steak or a serrated uh, butter knife. Okay, you get into the all, civil, all purpose, all purpose. <laughs> you get into the jixers. You get into the sport bikes. You know that's definitely going to be a steak knife because there's so many of them. Nobody mm-hmm. ever can really tell the difference mm-hmm. um, because I mean, as you know, uh, as uh, we were talking about, uh, as I was talking about with Mark, uh, heading up. Highway One, you're essentially carving the road, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, just yeah. to actually make sure you're hitting that apex in mm-hmm. the right way. Um, and probably the best uh, thought I really came up with in terms of relation of sco- of bikes to knives, mm-hmm. you know, you have those uh, sport bike uh, steak knives, but and then you get into the bigger hack, uh, bigger stuff, you know, like a Harley or something, which is not mm-hmm. really going to carve much. Mm-hmm. And that's a butcher's cleaver. <laughs> <laughs> it has the power, but, you know, all you're really going to do is go straight through bone. So uh-huh. there, there we go back to Harley bashing again. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, if you want to try and carve, you know, a steak right. with a butcher knife, then you okay. Do it. You could do it. It just may not be the best tool for I've, the job. I've seen some guys do it. Oh, mm-hmm. it can be done. Yeah. Can, I'm, in, I'm always impressed with yeah. them, even mm-hmm. though I think they're insane. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and then then you can get some really nice, like professional, high quality steel, like mm-hmm. cutlery knives. You know, that, agreed. You know that you can just do some really precision work with. Mm-hmm. Ginsu knives, probably dirt bikes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> There's a DR four hundred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah so and and there's all kinds of scooters too you know there's there's you know, there's a wide variety uh and we didn't even really get into the the whole different uh you know makes and stuff i mean we talked mm-hmm. about vespa obviously and a little bit about lambretta which was their main competition for you know most of vespa's history until lambretta folded uh but there there was a huge variety of scooters that were made back in the day um you know, in, with you know, not just in in Italy, but you know, France, Germany, the UK, uh, even the US made some scooters too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but uh, but we've we've gone on for quite a while here, so I think we should probably uh, <laughs> call this to a close. If if anybody's still awake out there after listening to us talk about scooters for two hours, but uh, for those of you who've made it to the end, uh, I thank you for listening. I uh, hope we haven't scared you off, and I hope you've uh, learned some interesting stuff about scooters, and uh, that you might be interested in actually trying one sometime if you haven't haven't done so yet mm-hmm. yep. all right 
So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, uh, once again, if you want to uh, check us out, go to motorcycle mis- mot- MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. Uh, there you can find our podcast, uh, links to our Patreon page. And I'd like to give a shout-out to all of our Patreon members for supporting the show in the garage. Your support is very much appreciated in keeping this all going. And, uh, yeah, everybody... Uh, Take care, ride safe, and uh, yeah. Shiny side up. Shiny side up. All right. (laughs) So to uh, sign us off, this is Bagel. And this is Jesse, pushy galore. I must be dreaming. (laughs) Good night from Brandon. And we are out of here. Cool, cool.